0: It's a bad beatboxing hour
1: with Sam and Connor. it's do, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. This has been beatbox, bad beatboxing hour with Sam and Connor. Hour? Oh, f- yeah. I have to, f- to do, do that hour. for. An hour. You have to do that for. An hour. Wow. Um, that's a lot right now. Hmm. But so you just kind of want to do our regular thing? I'm sure.
1: All right. Well. You know, it's been it's been I'm I'm exhausted right now.
0: You look tired.
1: <laughs> I'm very tired. It was one of those like I went I left a little bit early to go to the gym, and that yes I'm working out and I, I was doing I was working some new parts of the old of the old mm, system of the anatomy of the trunk of the body if you will the core and uh, it is painful to sit upright now. In addition to the fact that we streamed all night. Well, not all night. We streamed into the late hours of the evening.
0: We even cut it a little early last night. Did we? We did. It was, well, it was a little bit before About like 11. 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: That's fine. That's fine. Monday night streams, of course, on TikTok, where we play Magic the Gathering. We also probably uh, should figure out a way to set up to just do YouTube and TikTok at the same time. Problem is TikTok won't give us a fucking stream key mm. because their their ways are... And it's, it's one of those, like, you could... To get TikTok to do anything as a creator, you kind of just have to shout out into the void. Yeah. And then hope that some deity answers.
0: Yeah. Choose a god and pray to it.
1: Yeah. Really. Um, and the thing is, is you can pick your god. You can pick someone else's god. Yeah. Uh, to TikTok, they're both fucking wrong. <laughs> so good luck with that in mind. Um this is not a. T- this is not a, not a TikTok. This is not a TikTok. This is a podcast. It is, it is not a podcast about TikTok. It is about, of course, the Dungeons of the Dragons. It's the Dungeon Bros podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. And we are not brothers. Nor are we in a dungeon. And today we have a very special sponsor, of course. Uh, second second sponsor of the Dungeon Bros podcast. Uh, Beholder Beans. Mm-hmm. Little baby beholder beans. Now you might be familiar with the pinto beans, the black beans, the red beans. These are not the kind of beans. Nope, these aren't kidney beans or lima no. beans or green beans. Much much unknown about uh, the beholder anatomy is that on the under on the undercarriage of the ball that is the beholder, uh, they actually have like little paws and little little beans, little bean pads. If you've ever seen a beholder that's tired. And, and wanting to rest from all of the floating, yeah. and they rest upon a glass table, and you look from underneath the table, you got, like, these perfect little Beholder Beans. Yes. So, yeah, second sponsor ever is the Beholder Beans. Uh, uh, boil them, mash them, St- eat them. Stick them in a stew? St- uh, I don't want to stew any beans, personally. Stewed
0: beans is like a thing, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, just remember, the next time you slay a Beholder and you're trying to, to loot the corpse as yes. it is for valuable bits... Don't forget the beholder beans. Don't
0: forget the beholder beans.
1: Uh, use code Dungeon Bros at checkout for twenty percent off your next order of beholder beans. One thing you actually can buy <laughs> is uh, we have merch. It's exciting. It is exciting. What's we new? we didn't mention it at all in the live stream last night. I realize that now. That's okay. But uh, we have not actually physically seen the merch we just kind of set up the merch store on stream elements uh you can check the link in the link tree in the bio for all of the social medias for it but we've ordered some of the merch for ourselves to try out so once we have done that we can give a qualitative assessment what i can say is that based on the renderings from the website it looks like it's going to be pretty all right and from what i've heard anecdotally from other people that have used stream elements merch store in the past uh they have fairly good quality stuff yeah um we lowered the price on it a little bit just because uh, we want more people to have them. So check that out if you want. There's some stickers, some shirts, some zip-up hoodies. We have some other art on the way for, for. Once we get
0: that, we'll add more.
1: We'll add more. Add more. All that kind of stuff. Just
0: continuously until there's an ungodly amount of merch.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I as I was telling Sam last night, I would love to have the fleece shorts. Mm. The fleece shorts. I have a pair with that I got from Walmart, with Naruto on them. He's eating ramen. And I would like that, but with a big old fat DB on it. You know what I'm saying?
0: I do know what you're saying.
1: Maybe maybe a uh, sensor here, because we haven't really said what the new art is going to be. But our friend Chris is working on it, and yes. it's, a little, it's a very cute little thing. Maybe that on a... Right on a leg. On a short.
0: Or we write Dungeon Bros across the butt. Ooh. Just like those, you know, 2009 Juicy Pants. Ooh. That's a, that's a fucking great
1: idea, honestly. Um, the last little bit of before we because we got there's a lot of news we got a lot of news really it's only two major news items but there's a lot contained within them
0: they're thick
1: <laughs> they're very they're very chunk uh, but the last little housekeeping thing we are going to Gen Con in Indianapolis in August and uh, the Gen Con events are available to view and add to your wish list now you add them to your wish list you rank them by uh, what you find most important to get mm-hmm. tickets for and uh, beginning on Mar- on May 21st uh, registration is going to open if you have your wish list you can submit your wish list and then you'll get tickets rank ordered so you know if something's like your tenth most important thing you might not get in it if it's a crowded event but if you're first you might be more likely it's a whole I don't know I don't know the mysteries of their algorithm on the back end
0: but at the same time from what we experienced last year it's not too hard to get it's into not. most to most things even if you're a little late yeah. so you know it's not college classes don't don't kill wake yourself. Up at, yeah.
1: yeah. Don't wake up at two a.m. when they open to get in your classes, like I had to do. It was not fun. My senior year, was great. I got to do it at like noon. <laughs> but if you're in, if you were not a senior, you because seniors got to pick classes oh, yeah, a week ahead. a week before, mm-hmm. and the opening for that was noon instead of two in the morning. Why they chose to do that on a school night? I don't. I don't know. I have I, no idea.
0: I was a chemistry major in college, and uh, basically there were fifteen of us taking any class, and there were thirty seats always. So
1: for fuck's sake, that
0: is unnecessary.
1: <laughs> that is an unnecessary amount
0: of. Once, once I got to higher, of course, like, my lower level courses were always, like, the 300 lecture, seat, seat lecture halls. Yeah. But, yeah, my upper level courses were all, like, these tiny little classrooms or labs that were never full because there were only 15 of us doing the thing at a time.
1: Yeah. That, that check is out. I mean, I was in I was in media classes. So, like, we, other than the media history, like, 102 class that we had to take, like, every, every media major had to take that course their freshman year. That was a class of, like, 100. Uh, but everything else, it was, like, under 25. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. Uh, we're just going to run through the upcoming releases for Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, as we do every week, to make sure that you stay updated. Bigby Presents, The Glory of Giants, as well as the Fandelver campaign book that does not have an official title yet. It will be in quarter three of 2023. Uh, the Book of Many Things, as well as the Planescape campaign, is going to be quarter four, 2023. That's four books for the second half of 2023. Yeah. I feel like a couple of them are going to get delayed, or put on the chopping block.
0: yeah I, I if we uh, going back a couple weeks even uh, we had these these as some of them were supposed to be they were more spaced out but it seems like whatever uh, Wizards of the coast is doing as they did last year just crunching everything down whether that's due to time constraints or uh, resource constraints but. yeah they are also
1: probably wanting their products to move away from their big controversies recently
0: also true. I mean, yeah, they did put out uh, like uh, Dragonlance, which we have in front of us, as well as uh, right. the, uh, oh heists, my God. the the yes. golden, keys from the golden vault, which kind of yeah. gl- glossed over due to their. Dumb stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I also... Do you think this might be indicative of, like, a, maybe they're going to delay 1D&D's release a little bit from, like, the beginning of 2024 to, like, the end of 2024? I could see that happening. Give for
0: book or two? I could see that happening. For sure. For sure.
1: For uh, Magic of the Gathering, March of the Machines is currently out. It's been out for a little while. March of the Machines Aftermath is going to be coming out this Friday as of a recording of this podcast. If you're watching it on the first day that it posts, on Wednesday, May 10th. That is in two days. Is March of the Machines Aftermath. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend it. Buy the singles if you find some singles mm-hmm. that you like. Uh, the Lord of the Rings set is going to be released on June 23rd, and then another supplementary Lord of the Rings set in November, November 3rd. Commander Masters is going to be August 4th. The Wilds of Eldraine, we know pre-release is going to be September 1st, and September 8th is going to be the official launch. We know that for sure now. Uh, the Doctor Who Commander Decks, October 13th, and the Lost Caverns of Ixalon in November of 2023. Those are all the upcoming releases from Wizards of the Coast. Let's get into the big one. <laughs> yeah. We got 1D&D. The biggest playtest material they've ever released, ever, is playtest number five, Player's Handbook, Earth Arcana 2023. is 50 pages, 5-0, of playtest material. Inside, you've got the Barbarian, the Fighter, the Sorcerer, the Warlock, the Wizard, new spells that are specific to them. To the spellcasters, of course. Mm-hmm. Weapons and weapon mastery. Some updates to feats as well. So we got, we got a lot to go through. Uh, we normally go through feature by feature. We're probably going to rush through some things because there is just so much, and we don't want to make a three-hour podcast. That's true. One thing that they have added that is a wonderful thing for people like us, as well as people that have been watch- like reading these playtests and are trying to remember what has changed, they've added a design notes section for all the major changes that they've made to each section. So the first section they have is weapons. So this is probably the most exciting thing, the most exciting addition. Obviously, the class updates are always neat, and some people are going to like, some people are not. I think this is going to be a net pretty much everyone likes Mm -hmm. like this is just a buff to all martial weapons but design note weapon updates each weapon now has a mastery property a special property that requires a feature to unlock the mastery properties are going to be described later short sword has been moved to being a martial weapon again the net which does not deal damage is now adventuring gear rather than a weapon Uh, the trident's damage die has changed from a d6 to a d8 and its versatile die is now a d10 rather than a d8 The lance has the heavy and two-handed properties rather than a special property, which previously imposed disadvantage on some of its attack rolls, and its damage dice has been changed from a d12 to a d10. The war pick now has the versatile property. The musket and the pistol, which previously were in the Dungeon Master's Guide, are now available as martial weapons that are ranged, Uh, and as always, the DM chooses whether or not they are going to be available. Uh, The light weapon property now appears in the weapons property section rather than in the glossary. (laughs) Fair. And the throne weapon property now allows you to draw a weapon as part of the ranged attack. Just kind of a nice quality of life, really kind of should have been there always kind of feature. So some minor changes. Uh, A lot of weapons now, there's several weapons that now have the versatile property for D eight to D10, the battle axe, the long sword, the war pick, and the war hammer now all are d eight weapons, uh, the battle axe being slashing, the long sword being slashing, uh, both of them are versatile to one D10, making them seemingly exactly the same. Why would you pick one over the other? Well, now they have mastery properties. Mm-hmm. Every single weapon has a mastery property. We'll get into that in a moment. What do you think of the just kind of these base changes that they've been making to the weapons so far?
0: Uh, so, I mean, previously uh, that was always a concern, you know, a, a complaint I personally had, as well as a lot of other people, um, which was the weapons have no purpose. Uh, uh, you know, you would just choose basically, unless you're going flavor flavor wise, you just choose the one that did the most damage in the 2014 edition um so a lot of these that you know if they're changing properties or they're changing damage die uh it's kind of all bring everything in line but as you were saying this mastery property that they've added to each one this is the the big the big one this is yeah. the, the one that is going to add uh, mechanical purpose to choosing a different weapon.
1: Yes. Now a lot of these weapons, uh for example, the only ones that seemingly are exactly the same from what I can tell, uh the long sword and the battle axe, 1d8 slashing versatile 1d10, they do have different mastery properties, whereas the other D8 to D10 versatile weapons are piercing and bludgeoning damage, despite having the same mastery property as the longsword. We'll get into those right now. There are several varieties of mastery properties cleave these are for melee weapons that have the heavy property generally if you hit a creature with a melee attack using this weapon you can make an attack roll with a weapon with the weapon against a second creature within five feet of the first that is also within your reach on the hit the second creature takes the weapon's damage but you don't add your ability modifier to that damage unless the modifier is negative you can make this extra attack only once per turn so kind of that that visual of like having this massive weapon that just slices through and then into someone else and much like the previous uh, light weapon property where the that little extra bonus attack mm-hmm. doesn't have the modifier attached to it so you're just getting an extra free attack if you're surrounded by a bunch of enemies flex is for weapons with the versatile property when you hit with a melee weapon uh, with a melee weapon attack using this weapon you deal its versatile damage even if you're wielding it with one hand so the long sword can now deal 1d10 if you have a sword and board mm-hmm. graze melee weapons with the heavy property if your attack roll with this weapon misses a creature you can deal damage to that creature equal to the ability modifier you use to make the attack roll the damage is the same type dealt by the weapon the damage can't be increased in any way other than increasing the ability modifier so the reason for that little stip- graze is you miss, but you still kind of nick them a little bit. And they add the stipulation is because you are still missing them with the attack, you can't be like, ooh, I'm going to graze them and then smite on top of it right. or something. Uh, nick is for weapons with the light property. When you, make an ex- when you make the extra attack of the light property, you can make it as part of the attack action instead of as a bonus action, and you can still only make this extra attack once per turn. So just freeing up your bonus action as a dual wielder. Push for heavy two-handed or versatile property weapons. If you hit a creature with this weapon, you can push the creature up to 10 feet away from you if it is no more than one size larger than you. You could do some shenanigans with that. Like pushing, like I've seen some people thinking that you can technically push them up. Mm. It's it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Uh, Sap requires, the prerequisite is no other weapon properties. If you hit a creature with this weapon, that creature has disadvantage on its next attack roll before you start your next turn. Slow, there is no prerequisite for what weapon can have this. If you hit a creature with this weapon and deal damage to the creature, you can reduce its speed by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. If you hit the creature more than once with this property, the speed reduction does not exceed 10 feet. Topple is for weapons with the heavy, reach, or versatile properties. If you hit a creature with this weapon, you can force the creature to make a constitution saving throw with a DC equal to 8, plus your proficiency, plus your ability modifier uh, you use to make the attack roll. On a failed save the creature has the prone condition and then lastly vex the prerequisites are f- uh ammunition finesse or the light property if you hit a creature with the weapon and deal damage to the creature you have advantage on the next attack roll against that creature before the end of your next turn it is advantage on your next attack roll, not just yes. anybody's um, a lot to take in there some examples of what weapons are paired with what the dagger has nick so if you miss or no yeah the dagger has nick <laughs> i was confusing it with graze nick so you can make that bonus ac- the light weapon bonus action attack as part of the same action freeing up your bonus action really good for the rogue uh the great club has push being able to move um a lot of the uh the ranged weapons the dart the short bow uh the blowgun, the hand crossbow and the pistol all have vex giving advantage on your next attack Uh, the longbow has slow musket has slow uh the longsword the longsword the warhammer and the war pick are all the versatile weapons that have flex battle axe has the same damage type as the longsword it has topple instead Uh, you can go through the entire list if you want there's a lot of interesting combinations here uh what what do you think of certain weapon combinations of the specific uh, uh mastery properties like what's standing out to you
0: so the mastery properties in general uh, it's good well in my opinion it's going to really help uh, for one the martial classes that are going to get uh, you know immediate or uh, expanded access to these Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to some of the other uh, classes where again in the 2014 version you know just because you're a fighter doesn't mean you have any more proficiency with a long sword than you know uh, the wizard who dipped a little into something else. Yeah. But adding this now uh, gives a lot more interest to that and giving reason to take the weapon expert. Yes. Um, depending on what your build is. I think I mean uh, the, the the vex is always you know the if you hit a creature with this weapon it deals damage to this creature. You have advantage on the next attack roll against the creature before the end of your next turn. That's going to be very powerful, especially, like you were saying, um, for, like, rogues or for, like, uh, you know, anybody, really.
1: A rogue's best friend is probably going to be the hand axe, 1d6 slashing, light weapon, so you can make two attacks with it, even though the rogue doesn't get extra attack, Uh, and it has vex. So Mm -hmm. if you hit with the first one, you get automatic advantage on the second one, giving you an automatic trigger of your sneak attack if you hit with the second attack.
0: But, yeah, other than that, I mean, the, the, uh, what this is, is kind of layering on a little just a little tiny chunk of the spell casting system onto the weapons mm-hmm. um, which uh, you know at uh, it can be it can be ignored. This, the mastery properties can be ignored uh, for newer players or players who aren't very interested in diving deeper. But for those players who do want to optimize and or just have more use with their character in combat, these are a great option.
1: It's it's really good for the war gamer minded, the combat strategy minded player for sure. Um, we have oh. Why did my browser do that? That was annoying. Uh, We do have one question from the Discord. Uh, If you go to our Discord server, you can go to the podcast submissions. Our good friend DK Alexander uh, has been asked how we feel about the new weapon mastery. He specifically thinks uh, he was not a big fan of 1D&D at first, but the weapon masteries and then also the changes to the Warlock and the Wizard, which we'll get to later, have completely changed his mind and thinks they are absolutely fantastic mechanics, Hmm. all said and told. I'm inclined to agree with him when it comes to the Weapon Mastery specifically. We'll get into the details of uh, the Wizard and the Warlock. I'm inclined to believe that the Wizard is also pretty good. I am not entirely sold on the Warlock yet, but we'll get to that. I think Weapon Masteries are a massive step in the right direction for Marshals. I still think that on just a pure damage output level, once you get past level 5, they're still going to be lacking quite a bit. Uh, and they're still going to need some kind of feat that can replace the old sharpshooter and great weapon master to kind of increase their damage mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, but these are absolutely, all of these weapon masteries are, I think, useful. None of them, none of them are worthless. I mean, not being knocked prone, having your speed reduced, uh, pushing them away from you, dealing damage when you miss. I mean, they're all, it's all good it's all good um i would love them to see go see them go just a little bit farther sure i think do you have anything else
0: i mean i'm uh this is also something we could see them adding more to in further
1: mm. more options everything's
0: mm-hmm. sort of and uh you know because obviously like tosh's cauldron of everything is anathar's guide to everything they often add more options especially for spellcasters, getting new spells I mean, now now we can actually have maybe even a, a little warrior's... Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody somebody who's a warrior's guide to stabbing people better.
1: Yeah, the warrior's guide to stabbing everything. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I could even see them going and being like, look, you can... When you... Maybe adding... Mul- we'll get into the fighter a little bit later. The fighter is going to be able to swap weapon masteries for, mm-hmm. s- for their weapons that they're proficient with. But... I could see them in the future being like, look, the longsword can have flex, but it also can have Nick, or it could have something else. You know, Nick is a bad example because that's a light, uh, that's a light weapon thing. But uh, being, a- being able to have multiple options for all the weapons, new options that you can choose to replace the current options for weapon masteries, all that kind of stuff, new weapons in general, always a good thing. Awesome, awesome stuff. The next section is spells. Uh, We're not going to really linger on spells very much. We do get full spell lists, uh, a full arcane spell list, but we are not going to get into all of the details of the spells because most of these spells are tied to features for the Sorcerer, the Warlock, and the Wizard, so we'll get to them as they come up. The main thing, uh, there are 11 new spells here which are connected to the Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard. Uh, the chaos bolt spell has been moved over from xanathar's guide to everything and all sorcerers get chaos bolt as a bonus spell for free eldritch blast is a cantrip that scales only with your warlock level now and not your player level and it is only available to warlocks but they all get the, as a bonus spell hex uh is a, this the spell will deal extra damage only once per turn a little bit A little bit of a debuff. I don't know why they chose to do that, but all Warlocks get it as a bonus spell, so it doesn't count against the number of spells they know. Um, Other than that, those spells remain unchanged. Hex, of course, only being able to deal the 1d6 necrotic damage once per turn instead of on every hit, which is a bit of a downside. But we'll get into the rest of the spells later. Next, we have the Feats. They wanted to note that the epic boon feats that we've been seeing, the level 20 feats that are replacing the capstone level abilities for all of the classes, um, most of the requests that they've received are for them to be more epic. And they agree that they could use more, quote, pizzazz.
0: Yes. <laughs> A lot of them before have been, uh, and that we've seen in the past couple playtests, have been like, man, now... Very basic. Very basic. Like... You know, a lot of classes pre- in the 2014 edition of of, of D&D 5e were uh, very un- underwhelming. Okay, they bumped those back to level uh, 18, now we have an epic boon. We thought this was a really good uh, really good change first up, and then we started looking at the epic boons we are like, I-, I wouldn't care if I got to level 2. I'd be like, I guess I'll That's take neat. this one. Yeah. But yeah, to make it so they really do need to up the epicness in order to make it feel worthy of getting to level 20.
1: And along those lines, they've included several of them available, and they're going to include new ones. Uh, The Epic Boon of Dimensional Travel is available to experts or mage group classes. You get to increase your dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by one up to a maximum of 30. And then Blink Steps, immediately after you take the attack action or the magic action, you can teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. So just a free, misty step. Every single time you take an attack or magic action. Uh, The boon of energy resistance. Expert or mage group classes... Increase your Con, Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma by one up to 30. You gain resistance to two of the following damage types, Acid, Cold, Fire, Lightning, Necrotic, Poison, Psychic, Radiant, or Thunder. Whenever you've finished a long rest, you can change them. And when you take damage of a type that you have resistance, you can use your reaction to direct damage of the same type toward another creature you can see within 60 feet of yourself that isn't behind total cover. If you do so, that creature must make a Dexterity saving throw, DC equals to eight, plus your proficiency, plus the ability modifier of the score increased by this feat or they take 2d12 plus your constitution modifier in damage. I'm surprised that the plus isn't the 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 ability that's attached to this feat as well. Yeah. But again, you get two free resistances to damage types that you can change every single day and then an extra reaction damage dealing ability if you take if you know you're going against a blue dragon, you can take resistance to lightning damage and then also redirect its lightning at one of its minions. Yeah. I think that's that's pretty cool. The Epic Boon of Irresistible Offense is available to the expert or warrior group classes. You can increase your strength or Dexterity by 1 up to 30. The bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage you deal always ignores resistance. By the point you're at level 20, you should have a magic weapon.
0: Yeah, probably. That's
1: on your DM. Overwhelming Strike. When you roll a 20 on the d20 for an attack roll, you can deal extra damage to the target equal to the ability score increased by this feat. The extra damage's type is the same as the weapon's attack. You can use the benefit only once per turn. If you have a 20 in strength... And you upped it to 21 with this feat. That means if you roll a crit, you are dealing a flat extra 21 damage. Yeah. A little... Uh,
0: nice, nice 5% chance of happening. You know, depending. I mean, you know, there are some ways to They can make it more. By yeah. The, by, like, the fighter.
1: Well, it's, it specifically says okay, when you roll yeah, a also. 20 on the d20.
0: Oh, that's true. Not a crit, but a d20. Exactly.
1: If you, if it's, if you score if you a critical, critical hit, hit, that would be different. That would be a little bit different if you're a champion fighter. But Sorry. shut up your phone
0: Stop, now stop,
1: rece- stop receiving messages And alerts it's, it's, from the internet How dare you
0: Yeah I know it's not even something I care about
1: How dare you I mean I don't really care much about anything Except one d and uh, The epic boon of recovery is available to all classes. Increase your constitution by one up to a maximum of 30. Last stand, if you would be reduced to zero hit points, you drop to one instead and regain a number of hit points equal to half your hit point maximum. Once you use the benefit, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest, as well as death defiant. When you take damage, when you have zero hit points, you make a death saving throw instead of suffering a death saving throw failure. Nice to have. Not really sure. epic.
0: Again, okay. you're at 20th level. There's probably a... Uh... Yeah. One of the lower chance of you going down in the first place. Mm. Two, probably there's plenty of uh, uh, features that already, you know, let you pop back up. Let you one. pop back up. Or three, there's going to be a cleric there, right there, like up, up.
1: Yeah, at level at level twenty, your cleric should be getting you up like immediately, uh, or really any healer. <laughs> true should be getting you up immediately uh epic boon of speed available to expert or warrior group classes increase your dexterity by one up to 30 Uh, as a bonus action you can take the disengage action which also ends the grapple to restrain conditions on you and your speed increases by 30 feet nice to halves Mm -hmm. if you're a rogue you can already disengage being able to just immediately remove grapple and restrained especially at Mm -hmm. higher levels against big monsters
0: little freedom of movement effect right there yeah
1: not, not terrible, also not super epic. Uh, the last epic boon is available to experts in mage group classes. It's the boon of night spirit. You can increase your dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by 1 up to 30. Uh, while entirely within dim light or darkness, you can give yourself the invisible condition as a magic action. The condition ends uh, on you immediately after you take an action, a bonus action, or a reaction. And then while entirely in dim light or darkness, you have resistance to all damage except Force, Psychic, and Radiant. That's, i feel like that's a really fun thematic one for like a rogue sure you know maybe like a gloomstalker ranger uh, that kind of stuff uh being able to instant invisible if you're in just even a little bit of dim light is very useful having resistance to a bunch of damage types when you're in dim light and darkness if you can manifest them which in a lot of cases is very easy mm-hmm. i think that's a, that's one of the better ones sure. that i've seen available i think uh, the last feat that they have is the Weapon Master feat. This is available at fourth level and up, so you cannot take it at level one uh, with a background. You increase your strength or dexterity score by one up to a maximum of 20, and you also get the Mastery Property. Your training with weapons allows you to use the Mastery Property of one kind of simpler martial weapon of your choice, provided you are proficient with it. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can change the kind of weapon you chose to another eligible kind. Giving Weapon Mastery available to all of the classes. Yes. Perfectly fine. Uh, the epic boons still think they can be a bit more epic. Agreed. But they're certainly better.
0: And again, it's one of those things like how much time do you spend uh, do you spend actually creating around that space when a very small percentage of the games that are played mm-hmm. are going to use utilize them.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to the classes now. We have the barbarian class. It's in the warrior group. Barbarians, the main updates from the design notes here. A lot of these were inspired by the Player's Handbook Survey in 2021. Rage can now be extended with a bonus action each round. Taking damage does not extend it, but forcing someone to make a saving throw does. The focus is now on what you do, not what's done to you. Also, the playtest rage can last for 10 minutes rather than one, and finally rage is now stopped by the incapacitated condition. There's, I, the, the fact that it was not always like this is kind of dumbfounding to me. It was always very frustrating that it's like I have to hit myself or I have to attack a tree or I have to, like, do something to keep my rage going. It's like if I'm fucking pissed off, I'm going to be pissed off for a little bit. Yeah, you know?
0: I, I do like this change in focus of, of, uh, the, the the Barbarian had a lot of agency taken away from it in the 2014 version, mm-hmm. and now these somewhat honestly simple changes are bringing it back to giving it to the player. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also like the note that finally Rage is now stopped by the incapacitated condition, which previously you get knocked out and you're just like, I'm down, but angry about it i'm angry unconscious (laughs) i mean i've been bad i've been mad while dreaming before don't get get me wrong but true uh
1: the weapon mastery is a new first level feature giving you access to two weapons that you can use the mastery property on uh that also increases to three at level four and then four at level 10 you cap out at four weapon masteries that you can have at a single time with the barbarian which to be fair what barbarian is wielding four different weapons
0: Maybe this one now.
1: Well, maybe now. The second level feature, a new one, Primal Knowledge. It unlocks non-combat functionality for the rage let's take a look primal knowledge you gain proficiency in another skill of your choice from the list of skills available to barbarians at level one in addition while your rage is active you can channel primal power when you attempt certain tasks whenever you make an ability check using one of the following skills you can make it as a strength check even if normally even if it normally uses a different ability the abilities available to use this are acrobatics intimidation perception stealth or survival. When you use this ability, your strength represents primal power coursing through and around you. Acrobatics, makes sense. Intimidation, makes sense. Survival, eh, makes sense. Perception and stealth. I am so fucking
0: swole that I can see a mile. I'm and so I, fucking mad. I can see you. No, you can't. Okay. No. Oh, okay. No, you don't fucking see me. <laughs> I don't see anybody. <laughs> Perception,
1: I can kind of get like the heightened adrenaline. It's like I'm I'm fucking zoned in. Yeah. And kind of the same for stealth. It's a little bit of a stretch, but those are just useful abilities.
0: Sure. And again, rage doesn't necessarily have to mean anger. Rage yes. is just your mechanic. It's just the name of the mechanic. And a lot of people use different things for it. There's the. There's- i like the idea of just an adrenaline rush yeah exactly
1: uh next we have the danger sense has been merged with feral instinct and the limitations on its use have been removed we'll scroll down to that feature
0: Mm.
1: feral instinct is a level seven feature your instincts are so honed that you have advantage on initiative rolls and dexterity saving throws with no downside yes so just a flat benefit constantly market improvement uh next we have indomitable might which has moved from 18th level to 9th level indomitable might of course if your total for a strength check is less than your strength score you can use your score in place of the strength check total it was a good it was a good level 18 ability much better at level nine absolutely much more useful
0: since a lot of focus on the barbarian is to dump stuff into strength can you get both bonus, bonus to strength to damage and stuff like that um having it actually the fact that you're not going to be failing a lot of stuff as the strong man mm-hmm. uh, at this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, Brutal critical has been delayed from 9th level to 11th level, but its damage has been increased. Uh, it is now also available when you hit with a weapon or an unarmed strike using strength. Uh, the target takes extra damage equal to your barbarian level, and it's the same type dealt previously. A little bit of a delay, but a buff to damage. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Uh, persistent Rage uh, remains the same, but it is moved up from 15th level to 13th level. Relentless Rage has been delayed from 11th level to 15th level, and rather than restoring you to one hit point, it restores a number of hit points equal to twice your Barbarian level. That change will help prevent the Barbarian from immediately dropping back down to zero hit points. So a buff, a four levels is a big delay, 11th to 15th is a big delay. But the feature is much better. And then it also kind of makes that epic boon a little bit more powerful. Yeah, it really does. But if you have this feature, why would you take that epic boon? It's a whole whole thing. Uh, Rage Resurgence is a new 17th level feature that restores a use of rage whenever you roll initiative. Because of this feature, the Barbarian does not gain unlimited uses of rage at level 20. Primal Champion has moved from level 20 to level 18, so it's moved up a bit to make room for the epic boon feat at level 20. And its increase was changed from 4 to 2. If you were an 18th level Barbarian, why can't you just have a 24 Strength and a 24 Constitution? Yeah. It seems It seems like a bit of an unnecessary debuff, but whatever. It moved up from 2 levels, and then, of course, Epic Boon is the 20th level feature. So, base Barbarian, largely unchanged, uh, you... Some of the some of the class features have been moved around. I think most of the changes have been net positives yeah. for the barbarian, especially with the addition of weapon mastery, uh, and you get a lot of feats still, so that's fun.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, the that's oftentimes the problem that a barbarian had uh, in in the 2014 edition is as I've played a bar it played a barbarian it just kind of got boring. You know, like there wasn't much to do because they didn't have a lot of outside of, uh, of combat use and even in combat you kind of had you were single minded so uh, changing things around here makes it a little more a little faster you know mm-hmm. um, but I think that the uh, more interesting part is the next part we're going to talk
1: about yes the berserker barbarian this is the subclass that they have shown with it main updates there's four frenzy no longer causes you to gain a level of exhaustion in addition it causes you to deal extra damage each round that you use your reckless attack feature instead of giving you a bonus action attack which conflicts with the rage's use of a bonus action to maintain itself if you're not making an attack
0: yeah so frenzy previously was one of the most damning features because there's not a lot in fifth edition that that is, you do some, in order to get a positive benefit, you take a major negative, uh, um a major drawback
1: yeah exhaustion is a massive massive drawback that lasts for the entire rest of your day
0: yeah uh so it was kind of like why would i use this feature unless it's like unless we're going nova right Mm -hmm. so now the fact that they're letting you use your cool thing that's the benefit
1: yes and the damage has has been increased when you recklessly attack while your rage is active you deal extra damage to the first target you hit on your turn with a strength-based attack to determine the extra damage you roll a number of d6s equal to your rage damage bonus as a friendly reminder your rage damage bonus is two up until level nine where it becomes three and then it becomes four at level 16 so it so this feature is going to scale with you when you get it you're going to be on your first attack dealing an extra two d6 when you get to level nine three d6 in addition to the regular bump you get from your rage bonus and you're getting advantage on the attack because you're recklessly attacking and then up at level 16 you're going to be getting 4d6 mm-hmm. plus 4 with the rage plus the advantage with the reckless attack I think this is a flat out major improvement no downside <laughs> <laughs> much much better uh, At level 6 you get mindless rage it ends the charmed and frightened conditions on you rather than merely suspending them Another thing that just seemed like a weird design choice in 2014. Right. Uh, Next, Retaliation has moved from 14th level to 10th level, but otherwise has remained unchanged. This is just to put all of the classes and subclasses in line with their level progression. And then Intimidating Presence has moved from 10th level to 14th level, so it's swapped but it has also been improved. It can infect a group of creatures rather than only one, and your your rage extends its range, and you don't have to spend your action to extend its duration. The specifics of intimidating presence as an action, you can strike terror into others while your menacing presence as you swell with primal power. When you do so, each creature of your choice within 30 feet of you, or 60 feet if you are in rage, must make a wisdom saving throw, DC equal to 8, plus your proficiency plus your strength modifier, provided the creature isn't behind total cover. failed save a creature has the frightened condition for one minute at the end of each of the frightened creatures turns the creature repeats the saving throw ending it on a success once you've used this feature you can't use it again until you finish a long rest if you've run out of uses of your rage you can expend a use of if you've run out of uses of this feature sorry you can expend a use of your rage choosing not to activate the rage and activate intimidating presence instead bit of a delay bit of a buff i think the berserker is hands down flat out just better than it was before agreed easier to play n- no major downsides that make you not want to use your features much much better anything else we want to say about the barbarian no no,
0: no I, I like i said the, the the frenzy that change to frenzy was really one of the biggest ones um mm-hmm. that i was excited about from this all the other things have been positives and i honestly think that the barbarian players Mm -hmm. i don't know at least the ones i've run across you know when it came to the when it came to the bard uh uh, changes the bard players are all up in arms one way or the other (laughs) i think the barbarian players are just happy to be here the barbarian players are
1: like this is they're just happy with all of the changes here absolutely this is this is this is one of the few classes that i think is just a universal this is better than it was before Which we stand here. Next, let's move on to the fighter. Probably the most exciting changes Mm -hmm. for me personally. Design notes. Persuasion has been added to the class's list of skills with an eye on the fantasy archetype of the persuasive warrior who leads others. Totally fine. Cool. Second wind can now be used more than once between long rests without requiring a short rest to recharge. It starts out with two uses. At fourth level, you get three uses. At tenth level, you get four uses all the way through the rest of your career as a fighter. Straight up buff. In my mind. Uh, Weapon Mastery is a new first-level feature, giving you new ways to use your weapons. Uh, You start out with three, you get four at level four, you get five at level ten, and then you have five Weapon Masteries throughout the rest of your time. Most of the features that are associated with the fighter also now fuck with the Weapon Masteries, as they say.
0: (laughs) Sure, they say that.
1: Uh, Action Surge has had a little bit of a debuff. It is now limited to certain fighter-themed actions, so you can no longer dip two levels into a fighter to get action surge as a spellcaster to double cast spells. Yeah, that's the main reason they did that. I think that's fine.
0: Yeah, they they've limited to attack dash, disengage, or dodge. These are kind. These are more or less the uh, hasted actions as yeah. well.
1: It it's effectively just removing the magic action yes. as one of the options. Which, to be fair. A blade singer wizard that dipped two levels into fighter is going to probably be a more powerful wizard than most wizards, just because they can double cast spells from time to time.
0: And at the same time, this is one of those things where um, it it is a change and is a slight debuff, but doesn't mean. But it also opens up new options for things like multiclassing yeah. and how you build uh, your. it's it's keeping your builds fresh and funky
1: the thing is is for the fighter it really isn't a debuff
0: for the for native fighters no
1: no for spellcasters that want to dip into fighter is now a debuff which i think is totally fine Uh, at level seven you get a new feature the weapon expert let's scroll down to the weapon expert you have honed your use of weapons into an art Whenever you finish a long rest, you can choose one of the kinds of mastery weapons you're using and replace its mastery property with another mastery property. The chosen kind of weapon must qualify for the new property. For example, you could replace the longsword's flex property with the push property. All All the weapon masteries have prerequisites them some of them have none some of them have certain uh weapon types mm-hmm. so you can't you can't topple with a dagger for example <laughs> that'd be hilarious uh and the property change applies only for you not for others the change ends when you finish on your next long rest so every single adventuring day you can choose what type of weapon property your weapons have yeah. okay. this is perfect for the fighter
0: it is it is mechanically good it is thematically good mm-hmm. it really and, and, and like i was saying earlier the the fact that before in, in 5e in regular 5e the a wizard with a, a wizard who somehow got proficiency in sword was probably going to be just as okay at a single attack as yeah. a, a fighter a, you know a high level fighter with a sword now okay now they get to flex what they're good at
1: exactly exactly especially if they're using a weapon with the flex property <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the indomitable feature now gives you a bonus to your reroll equal to your fighter level a straight up buff to indomitable as well Awesome. Yeah,' <laughs> great, love it. Uh, Weapon Adept is a new 13th level feature. If we scroll down to Weapon Adept, you are a Master of Weapons. When you use your Weapon Expert feature on a kind of weapon, you can give that kind of weapon two properties rather than one. When you use them, you can only use one at a time. Whenever you make an attack roll against a target with that kind of weapon, you decide which of the two properties applies to the attack. You make this decision before the attack hits or misses. For example, you could apply the push and topple properties to long swords, and whenever you hit a target with a long sword, you decide which of those properties to use against the target this is where it really gets fucking oh, yeah. cool this is where you can really start to customize your fighter where coupling the, the battle master has not been shown in one in one DD play test but coupling this with battle master maneuvers and you suddenly have just a seemingly infinite number of options mm-hmm. for controlling the battlefield in such an efficient way one of my favorite features of the entire fighter class improved action surge has moved from 17th level to 15th level unconquerable is a new 17th level feature which incorporates extra use functionality formerly part of indomitable so if we scroll up unconquerable when you're in great peril you can tap into a deep well of resilience within you if you fail a saving throw and your indomitable feature is expended you can use it again without expending a use of your second wind which also heals you Oh, no. You can use it again by expending a use of your second wind and then heal in addition to yourself, in addition to the effects of Indomitable.
0: Yeah, I love these these, these combining, these higher level features combining lower level features in a yeah. meaningful way. We saw that kind of a lot in the uh, Way of Mercy Monk from... Yes. Um, yes. Was that Tasha's? Yes, that was Tasha's. Uh, and so I'm glad to see that they're actually also incorporating that design. Mm-hmm into uh, base classes. Yes,
1: that is my second favorite monk subclass. Uh, my first favorite monk subclass, of course, being the Dungeon Bros. Blood Magic and Hemocraft Supplement <laughs> subclass for the monk. Check that out on DriveThruRPG. Uh, third, uh, three extra attacks has moved from 20th level to 18th level. So you get three extra attacks sooner, making four attacks each turn. There you go. Which is ridiculous. Uh, and then the Epic Boon is the new 20th level feature. Base Fighter. Thoughts.
0: I believe that the base fighter could get a lot of thoughts.
1: They they could get a lot. They could.
0: I'm. I'm. I'm a fan of these changes, uh, because the fighter is. It's the joke bland class. Yes. And that was because you know there wasn't a lot you could do besides, you know, outside of 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 uh, your subclasses. Yes. There wasn't a lot to do besides run up and hit or whatnot. Uh, even if you got to hit a lot, it was just run up and hit. And now you can, like you're saying, even without taking the um, Battle Master class, the subclass, control a lot of the battlefield. Whether it's just run over here, knock this guy down, go over here, take this guy's uh, focus away from yeah. uh, a squishy person.
1: That's awesome. I the 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 weapon masteries being unlocked for the fighter. Being able to customize their weapon masteries, being able to have multiple weapon masteries is just... It's so flavorful for the fighter. It makes the fighter the master of fighting. Mm -hmm. They mastered their weapons more than anyone else. And they are going to master their weapon masteries in a way that no other class is going to be able to. And I think that's awesome. Great flavor win, great mechanic win. Uh, The subclass that is included with the fighter is the champion fighter. Design notes... Uh, adaptable vigor is a new third level feature giving the champion some non-combat utility at level three adaptive adaptable vi- victor jeez you've studied your friends and foes alike and learned that victory relies on adaptability whenever you finish a long rest you can gain proficiency in one skill from those available to this class at first level as you remind yourself of past lessons the proficiency lasts until you finish your next long rest So it is just an additional proficiency that you can swap out every time you sleep. Mm
0: -hmm. There was a spell that they included in one of the recent books that was just that. Mm -hmm. And I like that this is once per day. You just do it.
1: Yeah, that's nice. That is very nice. Remarkable athlete. One of the lower rated fighter features has been replaced by both Adaptable Victor, which we have gotten at third level, as well as Heroic Warrior, which you get at sixth level. The thrill of battle drives you towards victory. Once per combat, you can give yourself heroic advantage if you start your turn without it. Heroic advantage, of course, is just uh, is just inspiration, inspiration. That's all it is.
0: I mean, hey, once uh, you get one free at free advantage, yes um, without having to manipulate.
1: Yes. So remarkable athlete has been removed and in place we got those two features. You also get the additional fighting style it is moved from 10th level to 6th level so you get it sooner at the same time that you get your heroic warrior which I think is just a net positive. And then survivor has been enhanced. It also benefits your death saving throws now. Survivor is the 14th level feature where you get two abilities. Defy death. You have advantage on death saving throws. Moreover when you roll an 18, 19, or 20 on a death save you get the benefit of rolling a 20. Heroic Rally. At the start of each of your turns, you regain hit points equal to 5 plus your constitution modifier. If you have no more than half your hit points left, you do not gain this benefit if you have 0 hit points. Again,
0: another hit to that epic boon it, of not dying. <laughs> it also makes uh, your fighter a little bit of a vampire. Kinda. That, that Heroic Rally is literally just a vampire effect. Like, kind of. Uh, stat block ability. Of just it, it's just regeneration. It's just regeneration. Yeah, I mean, great. It's cool. I'm into it. I like get in the, the fight and keep in
1: it. The champion fighter is still the most fightery fighter that ever fightered, but the fighter is now more unique. Yeah. So it's a more unique fighteryest fighter that's ever fightered.
0: So now when you play a human fighter, people aren't gonna make fun of you. No, yeah, they probably still. they'll probably still they'll make fun probably of probably you. Still make fun but of that's you. just because that's your friends.
1: Yeah. If your friends don't make fun of you, are they really your friends? I don't know interesting do we have any do we have it we we've been going for like 45 minutes and i've been seeing you eyeing the tiktok live chat we record this podcast live on tiktok in addition to ourselves to post on podcast services around the globe and we've been talking a lot we've gotten the weapon masteries down we've gotten the feats down we've gotten through the fighter and the barbarian do we have any thoughts in the tiktok live chat
0: there have been a there have been quite a few a uh, few chats chats lighting up today. We appreciate that, guys. For those of you liking and and uh, chatting with us, there right. are some of these that we'll just throw to the end of the episode just because uh, that's how that's, that's what we, we do. do. Um, that's what we do. I have seen scrolling. Uh, shout out Marin Jane for getting the number one gifter badge. Hey, thank as you. As well as I saw Chill Five Man was thrown in some earlier. Um,
1: If not, we can simply move on to the sorcerer as well.
0: I thought I saw something. Uh here we go. Alex uh Frisello asks, why aren't pure melee melee fighters viable when they should be? Well, we've
1: discussed this. This has been much discussed in the community. And spellcaster we've we've talked about this before of the linear martial versus the exponential spellcaster. Um wizards sorcerers to a lesser extent warlocks uh, clerics druids the full spell casting classes once they hit level five they get access to third level spells that's where they get things like fireball fly counter spell very powerful abilities that then only grow in power exponentially every two levels when they get a new level of spell available to them uh whereas fighter barbarian rogue to a little bit of a lesser extent because of sneak attack but the ranger and the paladin certainly uh, even though they get access to spell casting it's delayed where your weapon damage does not increase except for the ability score that you were using to make the attack with unless you take a feature or have a feature that gives you additional damage the battle master is the most popular fighter subclass for a reason all of the battle master maneuvers deal extra damage there's a reason great weapon master and sharpshooter are so popular it's because they deal extra damage Mm -hmm. um so their damage is only going to scale one way whereas every other class is going to shoot all the spellcasters are going to shoot way up and weapon masteries they don't solve that problem That is my one thing. The Weapon Masteries don't really solve that problem. It gives them more utility. It makes them more useful, gives them effects that martial classes wouldn't normally have access to, but it really comes down to damage.
0: I like what Keenan says here. Keenan Perry says, viable is such a loaded term. It's not a competition. If you want to be a fighter, be a fighter. Absolutely. uh, D&D is one of those that... The right way to play D&D is the way that you like to play it. Yes. Um, As long as you and your group are all on the same page... Build the build the character you want to you want to play. It, really, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Vi- any class can be viable. Any any multi class can be viable. It just depends on if your party is willing to go along with it. Yeah. You know? And just because you're not dealing the most damage or being the most effective doesn't mean you're not viable or not serving a purpose.
0: Or not having fun. Exactly.
1: Exactly. All right. Let's move on. We've got the spellcasters now. We got the sorcerer. We're gonna be move. We're gonna be bebop scatting around this document now, which is a little bit annoying, but the sorcerer updates innate sorcery is a new first level feature giving two sorcerer only spells that represent the roiling magic within the other new sorcerer features in this playtest emphasize the sorcerer's ability to tap into their innate magic to create extraordinary effects innate sorcery an event in your past left an indelible mark on you infusing you with a simmering magic that sometimes challenge to control you gain two spells chaos bolt and Sorcerer's Burst. Chaos Bolt, of course, from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, but let's scroll back up to the magic, and we'll pull up Sorcerer's Burst. Sorcerer's Burst is a cantrip that is available, an evocation cantrip available only to sorcerers. It is a casting time of one action with a range of 120 feet, verbal somatic, and is instantaneous. You cast Sorcerer's Energy at one creature or object within range. You make a ranged attack roll against the target. On a hit, the target takes 1d6 damage. If you roll a 6 on the d6 for the spell, you can roll another d6 and add it to the damage. Whenever you cast the spell, the maximum number of these d6s you can add to the spell's damage equals your spellcasting ability modifier. You choose the damage type each time you cast the spell, choosing Acid, Cold, Fire, Lightning, Poison, Psychic, or Thunder. For those of you that have played other tabletop RPGs, this this mechanic is referred often to as dice explosion or exploding dice, where if you roll the maximum value, you get to roll it again and then add it on top of. That is an awesome mechanic that i'm a big fan of and being able to do that as a sorcerer just whenever if you roll a six on your core cantrip and then also being able to choose from your damage type right it's a lot of versatility all right going back to the sorcerer man this is going to
0: to be one of either the spells or the sorcerers
1: you sit at the spells i'll sit at the spells you sit at the spells i'm gonna let you read the spells i think that's smarter that is smart hey sam that was a really good idea thank you i appreciate that this
0: is the only validation you've ever given me
1: I was about to say that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Spellcasting gives you more spells to the sorcerer over the life of the character, now capping out at 22 known spells rather than 15. It's one of the most requested changes to the class. 22 in addition to spells that you are just going to know innately as a sorcerer. Font of Magic now has a sorcerer level prerequisite for creating each spell slot. So let's scroll down. We've got Font of Magic. All right. Sorcery points. You have two sorcery points, and you gain more as you reach higher levels, as shown in the sorcery points column. Uh, Converting a spell slot to sorcery points, you can do it as a bonus action, and then the chart at the bottom. uh, First level spell slot requires two sorcery points. You need to be at least second level to do that. Second level spell slots can be made with three. You need to be third level. Third level spell slots can be made with five. You need to be fifth level. Uh, fourth level spell slots require six points and you need to be seventh level, and then fifth level spell slots require seven sorcery points at ninth level minimum. Next, Metamagic has been moved from third level to second level. The feature also now gives you three Metamagic options instead of two, and you get three more at 13th level. This allows you to change one of your Metamagic, and it also allows you to change one of your Metamagic options after each long rest. That amount of versatility for Metamagic is... Phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. Previously, you might have had to really focus on, like, do I either want to have... What spells do I want to use based that I can use almost all of my meta magic options on, or am I just going to, you know, kind of pick and choose and, and be sad later?
1: Yes. Uh, I think ultimately you're going to end up getting more meta magic options when you cap out, which would be at 13th. You get six options, but you'll be able to change them out whenever you want, so yeah. it doesn't really matter, which is awesome. Uh, Sorcerer's Vitality is a new fifth-level feature. At fifth level... You use your innate magic to heal yourself. You always have the sorceress Vitality Spell prepared. Sam, what is the sorceress Vitality Spell?
0: Scrolling down to the Sorcerous Vitality Spell. Sorceress Vitality, third level abjuration spell, casting time and action, range of self, verbal, semantic components, duration, instant. You draw on your innate magic to fill yourself with vitality. You regain a number of hit points equal to 2d6 plus your spell casting ability modifier, and if you have any of the following conditions, they end on you blinded deafened or and poisoned at higher levels when you cast this spell the fourth level or higher the healing is increased by 1d4 for each spell slot above third level so they're
1: they're letting the sorcerers dip their toe into some healing it's only for themselves so Mm -hmm. they can't heal the party which i think is a kind of a hard rule that they're going to stick to with the sorcerer the warlock and the wizard outside of the specific subclasses that let them do that right um great I think I think for a third level spell slot, it's pro- you've got better options. But I mean, if you need to heal yourself or you need to end one of those conditions, you got to do what you got to do. You got yeah. Sorceress incarnate, or sorry, I skipped one. Arcane eruption is a new seventh level feature. At level seven, you can now unleash magical energy that rolls inside you. You always have the arcane eruption spell prepared. Samuel, what is the Arcane Eruption
0: spell? The Arcane Eruption spell is a 4th level evocation spell that's an action and a range of 120 feet. Churning magical energy explodes in a 20-foot radius sphere centered at a point you choose within range. When you cast a spell, select a damage type dealt by the explosion. Acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison, psychic, or thunder. Each creature in the sphere must make a constitutional saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes 6d6 damage of the chosen type. On a successful save, the creature takes half. So less damage than a fireball, but you get different damage types. But there's more. Oh. Choose one of the D6s. The number rolled on that die determines the condition that is applied to each mm-hmm. creature that failed its save, mm-hmm. as shown below. A creature has the condition until the end of your next turn. The conditions are 1 through 6, being incapacitated, blinded, frightened, poisoned, charmed, and deafened. In that
1: order. In that order. So, a slightly lesser powerful fireball that you get to choose the damage type of, that also inflicts somewhat debilitating conditions, kind of randomly, but you do get to choose from among the damage dice that you've rolled.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you get, uh, you have six damage die at third level, or at fourth level, and then more as you, uh cast it up so the likelihood that obviously probably that number one that you're always winning is the one on the damage die the lowest damage but yeah. it's incapacitated condition that is
1: it's one of the it mechanically and just uh, flavor wise it's like you're dealing less damage outright but instead that damage is being channeled into simply removing their ability to do anything Mm -hmm. i kind of like the flavor of that and being able to inflict the incapacitated condition at level four especially in an area of effect that is that is that can possibly make the spell much more powerful than a fireball and just simply dealing damage Uh, at ninth level you get sorcery incarnate a new feature Fueled by arcane power within, you can transform yourself into magical energy. You always have the Sorcery Incarnate spell prepared. What's the Sorcery Incarnate spell?
0: This is a fifth level transmutation spell. It has a casting time of bonus action, and it can last up to a minute with concentration. Magic within you blooms, transforming you into a glimmering being of magical energy for the duration. You regain 1d4 sorcery points. Until the spell ends, you also gain the following benefits. You can use up to two of your metamagic options on each spell you cast, provided you pay the sorcery cost, sorcery point cost, and you have advantage on attack rolls of every spell you cast.
1: That's awesome. I, I, that's one thing that the sorcerer has always kind of missed, because like the paladins always had that level twenty ability where they become like an avatar of their mm-hmm. of their god or something, and sorcerers always kind of felt like the the flavor around them was having a having like all of this rampant magic just in you that at a moment's notice can like pop out and then being able to harness that in a meaningful way. There wasn't really a feature that allowed you to do this. This sounds awesome.
0: Yeah. There's been some subclass stuff uh, for different um, sorcerer subclasses that kind of give a little bit of like, oh, you can enter a state or or whatever, but this is just the base class. That's what this is. Uh, And and you're right. Really drawing out that idea of Mm -hmm. you have this innate magical ability. And the abilities are actually quite powerful
1: mm-hmm. and useful. Big fan. Next, Sorceress Restoration has moved from 20th level to 15th level and now also restores some sorcery points when you roll initiative. Sorceress Restoration, of course, you regain four expended sorcery points whenever you roll initiative or you finish a long rest. So you will, at 15th level, you will never not have some sorcery points if you're in combat. Uh, next arcane apotheosis is the new 18th level feature arcane apotheosis you now are so suffused with magic that you can alter reality itself you always have the wish spell prepared and if you undergo the spell's casting stress you have no chance of losing the ability to cast the spell In addition, you can cast Wish to replicate a spell of 1st through 8th level without expending a 9th level spell slot. You instead expend a slot of the replicated spell's level. Once you use Wish this way, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Oops! I wish I could really cast Teleport right now, but I don't know Teleport. I'll just use a 7th level spell slot to cast Wish as Teleport. That this is a great feature. Making removing the downside of the wish spell, the most powerful spell in the game. Yep. Being able to use the safe option without having to use your ninth level spell slot to do so, meaning you can cast wish twice a day. <laughs> this is a great eighteenth level spell. This is a great capstone feature for a sorcerer.
0: You hit. I think you hit it right on the head. The capstone feature, which, as we were saying earlier, the the twenty fourteen players' handbook, those capstone features, you just fell mm-hmm. short uh, here. And and honestly, you know, prior to this, you know, I would always think of the bard as casting wish or the wizard as casting wish. Now it's clear, because of your innate, innate magical ability, you are the wish caster.
1: You are the wish caster, for sure. And that doesn't mean that the bard or wizard are not going to want wish Absolutely. Right, yeah. But uh that is that is awesome. And of course the new 20th level feature being the epic boon. Um sorcerer is one of the few classes them and them in the fighter really honestly all three of these classes so far have been very net positive changes mm-hmm. to the to the base classes in the 2014 player's handbook
0: it's uh, refreshing to see versus what they did to the uh, the poor druid and the poor paladin.
1: Yeah, I mean they were very powerful classes that needed to be knocked down maybe a hair. I think they went way too far. They
0: then just knock them down a hair. They uh, push them in the mud and then um,
1: knee capped them. Knee capped them for sure, for sure. Uh, we do have a quick section on metamagic options with design notes. Careful spell now prevents an affected creature from taking half damage on a successful save. Very good. So now you can just fireball your party and they're totally fine. (laughs) Uh, Distance spell increases a spell's range by a number of feet based on your sorcerer level rather than doubling the spell's range. For most spells, this is going to result in a greater increase than before, but for some it will not, that is okay. Still a net positive. Extended spell now also makes it easier to maintain concentration on the affected spell. Extended spell gives you advantage on concentration checks now, which is very useful. Uh, Heightened Spell now costs two sorcery points rather than three, and it imposes disadvantage on all of the target's saves against the spell rather than just the first save. That was a big criticism of Heightened Spell was, one, it was too expensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, for spells that allow creatures to make a saving throw to remove the effect, those those would not be a disadvantage, and now they are so much better Quickened spell now includes a clarification on how it interacts with the game's general rule on casting bonus action spells they discovered that some players read quickened spell as an exception to that general rule which was not the intent what they mean the bonus action spell if you cast a spell that has a level as a bonus action the only spell you can cast as an action must be a cantrip some people saw quickened spell as i'm casting a as spell as an action and this and i'm simply changing it to a bonus action so it's not casting a spell with a casting time as a bonus action so it went, would we never really interpreted it that way
0: i no. don't think i think that the that specific rule is confusing to start yes um and then that i understand why a lot of people were misinterpreting it uh, there has been of course the errata um mm-hmm. the sage Compendium, where they clarified things like that
1: yes yes uh N- that no no change to its power level it's just a clarification on the rules here yes effectively exactly the same seeking spell has been imported from tasha's cauldron of everything if you're not familiar seeking spell if you make an attack roll for a spell and miss you can use two sorcery points to reroll the d20 and you must use the new roll you can use seeking spell even if you've already used different metamagic options during the casting of the spell i like that they've been taking some of the of everything features that have been in xanathar's and tasha's and mm-hmm. then moving them to the new player's handbook Transmuted spell has also been imported from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Uh, For a sorcery point, you can change the damage type of one of the spells you cast to either acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison, or thunder. So you can have your lightning ball instead of fireball or your cold ball.
0: Lightning. It's a little bit frightening.
1: Sorry. It's also just kind of giving the sorcerer more of that flavor of, like, augmenting magic Mm -hmm. a lot more easily. Twin spell has been redesigned. The 2014 version was, quote, too powerful, since it basically allowed you to cast two spells on the same turn, as in quickened spell, and to cast the extra spell with a sorcery point discount. For example, a third level spell slot normally costs five sorcery points, but in twin spell it would only cost three. The targeting limitation of Twin Spell failed to contain how overpowered the option was and caused confusion. The new version of Twin Spell keeps the sorcery point discount, with Quicken Spell carrying the extra spell on a turn weight. This redesign has allowed us to remove the targeting limitation that Twin Spell had before. Twin Spell as it is now. Cost is 1 to 5 sorcery points. When you cast a spell of 1st to 5th level that you also cast on your previous turn by expending a spell slot, you can fuel this turn's casting of the spell by spending a number of sorcery points equal to the spell's level rather than expending a spell slot. So if you're casting the same spell every single turn, you get a discount on it if you mm-hmm. use sorcery points to cast it instead of a spell slot. Massive, massive debuff. But I can also kind of see where they're coming from. I also don't think it was that that overpowered to begin with.
0: Yeah, the the uses of twin spell, while powerful, were kind of niche, like they said, because of the due to the targeting re- requirements. Yeah, you're not twinning a fireball. No, you have to. Uh, I think the most fun you know version of it I ever heard was twinning uh, dragon fire, dragon's breath, dragon's breath. Yes, putting it on. All right, you have an animal and I have an animal. Now they both have fire
1: breath. That was that was just a fun thing to fuck around with because if you had two. Uh, characters that had familiars. Familiars can't attack in combat, but they can activate abilities in combat, including activating your dragon's breath. So you can give them both dragon's breath and create just two massive overlapping cones of damage. Yeah. <laughs> Which was fun. It was fun. And twin spell was fun. I can see where they're coming from. I'm sure the they're also trying to prevent uh, the... We designed this really cool single target spell that now becomes completely fucking busted with mm-hmm. twin spell. And it still serves a purpose. Um, I think they could probably could have just replaced it with a different... Keeping the twin spell name and now you're not casting... Targeting two things with the same spell kind of feels... You're doing it over two, two, two turns, being able to double it up. I think they could have just removed it and created a new one. They could have. But, you know... They wanted to keep the the lore, I guess. I don't, I don't sure. know. Sure. The, the history. The legacy.
0: Whatever. <laughs> the legacy
1: of twin spell. Yeah. Uh, the subclass that we get with the sorcerer is Draconic Sorcery. Design notes. Draconic Sorcery, formerly Draconic Bloodline, has the new naming convention for the sorcerer subclass, X Sorcery, where X is a word like Draconic, Aberrant, Clockwork, etc. Draconic Resilience now gives a base AC that is 10 plus your dexterity and charisma modifiers rather than 13 plus dexterity. This change will result in higher AC at later levels. Also, chances are you probably have a plus 3 charisma when you are at level 1. Yeah. It's very easy to get there. And so not a, not a debuff at all. Dragon Speech, formerly Draconic Ancestor, now lets you communicate with any creature that has the dragon type. The damage type choice has moved to Elemental Affinity. Elemental Affinity no longer charges a sorcery point for the resistance that it would give. In surveys, people have requested more uses for the damage type associated with this feature. The playtest versions of the following features, Draconic Exhalation and Dragon Wings, both respond to that request. Dragon's Draconic Exhalation has replaced Draconic Presence, a very low-rated feature for the subclass. And now Dragon Wings modifies the sorcery incarnate spell and includes a damage option so that's that's a whole lot right now draconic resilience at level three your hit point maximum increases by three and increases by one again whenever you gain another sorcery level parts of you are also covered by draconic scales giving you 10 plus your dexterity plus your charisma draconic speech you no longer know draconic Mm. which i think draconic speech they could have just given you draconic and then also this ability seems a little unnecessary uh the ability, of course, being able to communicate and be understood by uh, any creature that has the dragon type as well as you understand it. Elemental affinity. You choose one of the damage types associated with dragons. Acid, cold, fire, poison, or lightning. You have resistance to that damage type, and when you cast a spell that deals damage of that type, you can add your charisma modifier to one damage roll of that spell. Draconic exhalation at level 10. Once per turn, you when you cast the sorceress burst, you can instead excel a 15-foot cone rather than selecting a target within range. To cast the spell this way, you must choose the damage type associated with your elemental affinity feature. When you do so, you make a separate attack and damage roll for each creature in the spell's cone. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they still keep the, da- the attack and damage roll aspect of it than making, rather than making into saving throw. I think that's just to streamline and make it simpler. Yeah. And then lastly, at 14th level, you get Dragon Wings. Your innate magic can now also manifest as Spectral Draconic Wings on your back. While your sorcery incarnate spell is active, you sprout these wings, gain a fly speed equal to your regular speed, and can hover. In addition, at the end of each of your turns, you can flap the wings to unleash magical energy, dealing damage to each creature of your choice within 15 feet of your spell. Yourself. <laughs> your spell.
0: Your spell. <laughs> the, your spell
1: <laughs> The damage equals your charisma modifier and is the damage type of your elemental affinity feature. Damage is not very high on that. No. It's a, getting fly speed with your uh, sorcery incarnate feature or spell.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very powerful getting to use multiple and then again because during, due to that spell in general you have uh more uses of your sorcery points and yeah. uh advantage on everything so it's all compounding into a very neat you're you're becoming a dragon
1: yeah i think this is strictly better than draconic bloodline mm. in pretty much every way except you don't know draconic anymore
0: which yeah. is weird but, but the, the whole the whole you know uh Different languages, no, giving. I guess giving them innately in subclasses is a little little goofy, but it makes sense because you're most these most the backgrounds and these days have Mm -hmm. you at least get to choose one additional. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Being able to breathe dragon breath, pretty great. Oh yeah, kind of one of the core things that was missing from the dragon sorcerer. (laughs) Uh, Overall, sorcerer thoughts. I think the net positive.
0: I I was going back to having tried to build not having built a sorcerer in the past. It wasn't all that interesting, mm-hmm. um, and like sorcerers can be very powerful. They can be very nova. They can go nova, but if you want to be a long a long lasting sorcerer, maybe a little less vi- uh, viability there. Yeah. So this gives it a little more fun, a little more few few more things to play with. um... But though, though going forward we're going to have a few more of these, I do find it interesting the taking all these, these features from spellcasting classes and making them spells themselves.
1: Yeah, I, it, it seems like a little bit of an unnecessary thing, but I think they're just trying to m- force the classes to interact more with the spellcasting feature mm-hmm. more than their own features, which... Yes you know six one half dozen the other you have to use spell slots now you don't have to track a bunch of different resources that's also true i think that's the main reason for that but now we get to a big contentious one yes the warlock The warlock first thing you might notice class group mage expected yes primary ability intelligence wisdom or charisma
0: yes previously Previously it was just Charisma in the 2014
1: edition. Next thing, you get some lore. Always love a little bit of lore, but uh, you look at the class table and what's this? A spellcasting progression table that goes up to 5th level, like a half-caster? What is going on here? Side note. A lot of changes.
0: Side note. You say that might be the first thing you notice. You didn't notice it. <laughs> when we were looking at this uh, a week, two weeks ago, it took you until reading a different uh, feature of it. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're not going to talk about that. Um, design note, Warlock updates. Medium armor is now included in the class's armor training to better support Warlocks that walk the melee-oriented path, so you no longer have to be a hexblade to wear medium armor. Cool. Net positive. And spellcasters are going to like to have medium armor. Pact Boon has been moved from third level to first. It now gives you Eldritch Blast and Hex and a spell of your choice from a group of three, all of which are now exclusive to Warlocks. The spell you choose is connected to the spell casting ability choice you then make. The spell incorporates the previous functionality of the three packed options. So if you go over to the spells, I'll go over the Pact Boons. Level one, you get to choose Pact of the Blade, Pact of the Chain, or Pact of the Tome. Pact of the Blade, you get to choose between Wisdom or Charisma as your spellcasting ability, and you gain the Pact Spell, Pact Weapon. Pact of the Chain, you get to choose Intelligence or Charisma, and you get the Pact Familiar spell. And then Pact of the Tome, you choose between Intelligence or Wisdom, and you get the Book of Shadows Pact Spell. So what is the Pact Weapon, Pact Spell?
0: Pact Weapon. Action. Self. 24 hours. Track. Track tracing arcane sigils in the air you conjure a simple or martial weapon melee weapon of your choice in your outstretched hand or you create a or bond with a magical weapon you touch the weapon you conjure or touch must lack the heavy property and the spell fails if you touch a magical a magic item that is attuned to someone else This is a cantrip this is a cantrip so just saying you can't steal someone else's bound magic weapon again you gain the following benefits Eldritch Warrior. When you attack with the weapon, you can use your spellcasting ability modifier for the attack and damage rolls instead of strength or dexterity. Proficiency. You have proficiency in the weapon. Returning Weapon. If the weapon has the throne property, the weapon returns to your hand immediately after hitting or missing a target. The spell ends early if you cast a spell again or die. When it ends, a conjured weapon disappears and your bond with a magical weapon stops. There's an upgrade to it. At 5th level as uh, a, as a 5th level warlock you gain the extra attack feature for the conjured or magical weapon only with this feature you can attack twice with the weapon instead of once and when you take the attack action on your turn
1: so it, it removed the invocation that you would need to take to attack twice mm-hmm. and it is now simply just something you get as a 5th level warlock only being able to choose wisdom or intelligence as spellcasting ability mod- as your spellcasting abilities very contentious i think I, I i was not a fan of it when we first read through this i'm more of a fan of it now just because it's like ooh wisdom ooh you can multiclass this with with a monk you can mul- you can multiclass this with a cleric you can mul- ooh ooh intrigue options
0: yeah so the the warlock has always been lauded as the very customizable uh, versatile spellcaster and class in general um, and as we've seen like a lot of Paladins drop dip into hexblade and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh and and this particular the fact that choose whatever which pact you choose gives you also some some versatility in which one, so you could multi-class if you like. Yes. Alright, pact of the
1: chain. The pact spell is pact familiar. Indeed it what is. What does is. the pact familiar cantrip do? Uh
0: casting time for this one is an hour. It has a range of ten feet. And a duration of instantaneous. Interesting. You summon an unearthly entity to serve you. It manifests in an unoccupied space of your choice within range. The creature uses the packed Familiar stat block. If you already have a Familiar, that Familiar transforms into a new one but retains its memories. If you don't, you do not get a second pack Familiar. Whenever you cast this spell, choose the Familiar's creature type, Apparition, Celestial, Dragon, Fae, Fiend, or Undead. The choice affects the Familiar's default appearance, as noted in the parentheses. It gives some examples. Uh, for example, a fake could be a pixie or a spirit. It, de- it does not, uh, and it determines certain traits in the stat block. You can alter the details of the creature's appearance each time you summon it. Combat: the familiar is an ally to you and your companions, and it obeys you. In combat, it shares your initiative, but it takes its turn immediately after you. On its turn, the familiar can dodge, can takes takes the dodge action and uses its move to avoid danger, unless you use your reaction to command it to attack instead. Disappearance of the familiar. The familiar disappears if it drops zero hit points, if you dismiss it as a bonus action, or if you die. When it disappears, it leaves behind anything it was carrying or wearing. If you cast a spell again, you decide whether to summon the familiar that disappeared or a different one. Remote viewing. As a magic action, you can see what your familiar sees and hear what it hears until the end of your next turn. Upgrade. Starting at 5th level, as a warlock, you can communicate telepathically with your familiar as long as you two are on the same plane of existence. Additionally, while perceiving through your familiar senses, you can also speak through your familiar in your own voice. That's pretty cool. Uh, Again, combining an Eldritch Invocation with...
1: Basically, all of the Eldritch Invocations that... um, Not all of them. Some of them that would just simply improve your Pact Boon are now just given to you at 5th level with these spells. And then lastly, the Book of Shadows.
0: Scroll into the Book of Shadows. Casting time, one hour. Stitching together the strands of shadows, you conjure forth a book into your hands. The book contains eldritch magic that only you can access, granting you the following benefits. Cantrips and Rituals. When the book appears, choose two cantrips and choose two first-level spells that have the Ritual Tag. The spells can be from the Arcane, Divine, and Primal spell lists, and they must be spells you don't already have prepared. While the book is on your person, you have the chosen spells prepared. Spell focus. You can use this book as your spellcasting focus. The book disappears again if you cast the spell or die. Upgrade. When you reach 5th level of Warlock, the spell also enhances other cantrips while the book is on your person. You can add your Warlock spellcasting ability modifier to the damage roll of any cantrips you cast that don't already have the modifier added to its damage roll. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Um that's a lot
1: to take in. And the pack boons, I think are all strictly better, you get them at first level. Strictly better, being able to choose your spellcasting ability. That is that is a customizing win. Uh, It also kind of hurts that they don't all have charisma as an option. I get having the Pact of the Tome having all three options and then the other two only having two options would be a little weird. I think they all three should just have all three, personally. Mm. Uh, That does kind of remove a little bit of, like, why would you take anything but charisma if they can all be whatever. I get that. Um, Yeah, it's going to affect a lot of multiclassing more than anything else. It It seems like just a weird change to begin with. Um, I mean, they already have two full charisma casters with uh, with the sorcerer and the bard. They have two full wisdom casters with the druid and uh, the cleric, and then one full intelligence caster with the wizard. So it, it's a it's a strange change.
0: At the same time, you also have the intelligence for uh, the well. It's a half your...
1: caster with the artificer.
0: True, or uh, the the third casters of uh eldritch knight and uh arcane trickster
1: unless they change them unless they change them
0: we haven't seen we will get uh, all the other subclasses at some point in the future but yeah right now i don't know we'll have to see how it plays this is i think that's one of the most interesting changes and Mm -hmm. most difficult to judge in isolation like we are doing right now
1: absolutely uh also pact magic has been replaced by Spellcasting. the most requested change to warlocks has been for them to be able to use their spells more often they therefore now cap out at 15 spell slots instead of 4. The spell slot progression is the same as every half caster. Yep. Um, So you cap out at 5th level spells, getting your first one at 17th level, your first 4th level spell at 13th level, your first 3rd level spell at 9th, your first 2nd level spell at 5th, and then 1st level spells right out of the gate. Um, Yes, you're going to be getting more spell slots. Your spells your spell level selection has now been delayed severely. Warlocks would still get second-level spells at third level, like full spellcasters, and they would still get third level spells at fifth level, like full spellcasters. And that progression went along the way of the full spell casters until you got to fifth level spell slots, in which case you Mystic Arcanum would replace the sixth, seventh, and eighth level, eighth and ninth level spell slots spells. By making them a half-caster, I have to say, this isn't a spell casting class anymore. This is a hybrid class. Mm-hmm. And including them in the mage group limits them in what they can take at, that would be given to the expert and the warrior groups. But as a mage, they're the only mage that won't be able to cast a spell above 5th level anymore.
0: Well, their Mystic Arcanum's changed. They still have Mystic Arcanum.
1: Yeah, but Mystic Arcanum now just gives them more lower-level spells that they can cast. We'll get get to that when we get to that. Uh, Next, we have Eldritch Invocations. They now cap out at 9 invocations rather than 8, so you get a little bit more. Uh, Mystic Arcanum has become an Eldritch Invocation option, which is now available as soon as 5th level. Previously, the Warlock waited until 11th level to get it. Let's scroll down to Mystic Arcanum. We're, we're jumping around a little bit just because there's a lot to deal with here. If we look at the Eldritch Invocations, we're going to look at Mystic Arcanum. Oh my gosh, there's so many fucking options. Uh, Mystic Arcanum. Okay, so you do get access to higher level spells. Fair enough. Uh, Your exploration of the arcane have unlocked magic within you. Choose one spell from the arcane list that has a level for which you you qualify, as shown in the Mystic Arcanum table. Look for your Warlock level on the table to see your maximum level of spell you can have. You can cast the chosen spell once without expending a spell slot. You must finish a long rest again before you can do so. It is a repeatable invocation. Warlocks of 5th and 6th level can take up to 3rd level spells, 7th and 8th, up to 4th, so the regular spell casting progression of 9 to ten, 5th, 11 to 12, 6th, 13 to 14, 7th, 15 to 16, 8th, and then 17th, 9th level spells. Still...
0: It's it's a weird...
1: It's forcing you to take Eldritch Invocations to get access to the full capability that the Warlock spellcasting would be able to do. It removes it from the spellcasting ability in general, which is something that they seem like they're forcing the other Mage group classes to do by tying in the Sorcerer features to the spell slots, and then we'll later see uh, Wizard features being tied into the spell slots as well. It's completely different for the Warlock now, and... it. I you, they don't increase the number of invocations that you get enough it is now removing your ability to take interesting invocations and forcing you like do you want to be more spell it does let it still lets it be custom
0: I but I'm so time, conflicted I'm also, so conflicted on they've this They've also just baseline removed you need to take a, if you were not taking the upgrade to your in, to your pact yeah as an invocation then that then what were you doing? You know what were you, why were you not doing that? Yeah. So at the same time they've changed, they've innately given you an invocation. But I see what you're saying. It really it really feels. Oh, you know what it kind of feels like? It feels like almost when you're trying to build an artificer. Yeah, artificer has the uh, the opposite effect. The opposite customization problem, hmm. which this is. Uh, you have a blank slate almost. Yeah. Here, choose which spellcasting option you're taking, okay? Now choose which spells based on that spellcasting option, as well as when you get to certain levels, you can also choose just a random spell to... Whereas the Artificer... Or other
1: features, or... Yeah,
0: whereas the Artificer is... Alright, you have have to choose five of these things, and five of these things, and five of these things, and five of these things. Also, you have to change three of these things to match this thing. Also, this thing down up here that you chose is the same as this thing down here that you didn't choose. The... I would be more okay
1: with, el- with the changes to the spellcasting if you just got more Eldritch Invocations or Mystic Arcanum was a feature that wasn't tied into Eldritch Invocations if Mystic Arcanum was just at those threshold levels of, what would it be? oh my gosh, let me scroll all the way back down the threshold levels of 5, 7, 9, 11, 13, 15, and seventeenth. if you just got one of each that you could swap out I think that would be fine and then keep the eldritch invocations cap still at eight. I think that would be fine. But by making it an eldritch invocation, you're you're vastly limiting the uh, the number available of eldritch invocations. Because am I going to am I going to get my old spell casting progression that I would get as a warlock in 2014 and get the spells at the same rate that other classes in my group are going to be getting, or do I want to take the Eldritch invocations that would normally increase my abilities that the old world... It's just, they're changing so much all at once, mm. and if they're going to tie Mystic Arcanum to Eldritch invocations, then they need to do more Eldritch Invocation, like give you more Eldritch Invocation slots to fit in. Because it is still the most customizable class by far. Oh, we've we've already completely gone off the rails of of our organization for these classes. Um, is there? I, f- I feel
0: like there, There's some chitter, there's some chatter over here. Um, what's what's the TikTok a, live chat saying? Some things, uh, uh, some things we've mentioned. Um, Kenan says I like how modular it's getting
1: yeah the warlock was always modular and customizable true you can cast more uh utility
0: spells at lower level absolutely true
1: absolutely true the number of spell slots is a great benefit i just i think the progression of the level of them is the problem
0: i like just crafts uh just crafts suggestion is warlock should not have any spell casting just give them 30 invocations <laughs> i mean i think that'd be cool too <laughs> make
1: make eldritch give them the eldritch blast cantrip give them access to cantrips Give them a fuck ton of eldritch invocations, and then Mystic Arcanum is their way they take spells. Yeah, yeah. I I would I actually honestly I'm actually really into that idea.
0: Right. That's pretty cool.
1: You get you, uh, wow. Maybe each maybe each eldritch invocation you get a a spell of that level and a spell slot of that level. That's a lot to keep track. That's of.
0: That's a lot to keep track
1: of. <laughs> but it's also like I can only cast my spells once per day, so it's. I, that's in, that's interesting. I don't know if I'm into that. I don't know if I vibe with that. But it is an interesting option. That's that's weird. That is really weird. <laughs> the, the warlock has gone from really cool and customizable to just strange and difficult to wrap your head around. Now I think
0: this is this is one of the prime examples that I see when it comes to why this should not be called. There uh, after the D and D creator summit. A lot of people, you know, a lot of those creators were like, they've said that this is not a new edition, which like, it needs this to be is a new one edition. of the prime examples of why this should at least be considered the point five, Yeah. Or, or even if you want to push it up to 6. Like, sure, there's a lot of overlap, and can you use the 5th edition rules? Absolutely. Will probably a lot of people who like the pack magic and the old invocation stuff? Asked to, along the lines of the Druid and the Paladin, ask to use the 5e stuff? Possibly. Will there there come some people who really, really love this Warlock and, you know, find a million ways to break it? Absolutely. Mm. Uh,
1: Another option is you can check out our video on YouTube where we talk about um, replacing Pact Magic with uh, a feature, an optional feature that's available to regular spellcasters, and we modify it a little bit for Pact Magic. uh, In the Dungeon Master's Guide called Spell Points. Uh, that's a fun way to play a warlock. I think that is a better way to play a warlock than this. Mm. But that's also me. Check out that video on YouTube, link in the link tree in the bio. Um let's 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 get back on track. <laughs> contact patron is an 11th level feature allowing the warlock to contact their patron directly. At level 11, they went really literal with the, the name of that one. one. I know, right? At level 11, in the past You've usually contacted your patron through intermediaries. Now you can communicate directly. You always have the Contact Other plane spell prepared. With this feature, you can cast the spell without expending a spell slot to contact your patron, and you automatically succeed on the spell saving throw. Once you cast the spell using this feature, you can alo- you can not do so again until you finish a long rest. Lore win. Contact Other Planes, whatever. Yeah. But it's a lore win, for sure. Uh, Hexmaster is a new 18th level feature at 18th level. Hexmaster, you've mastered the dread application of hexes, allowing you to cast the hex spell without expending a spell slot. Should I think that should be a lower level feature, specifically because you can only deal the extra damage from the hex spell once per turn. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Eldritch Master has been removed because it was based on the Pact Magic feature, which has been removed, and then Epic Boon at level 20. <sighs> that is a lot is to a- go through um we're i'm just going to rapid fire through there's so many changes to eldritch uh we're not going to get into i'm not going to read any of them specifically but i'm just going to run through the design note changes Beguiling Influence has been replaced by Lessons of the First Ones, which you can which can be used to take the skilled feat or another eligible feat. Uh, Bewitching Whispers has been replaced by Mystic Arcanum. Book of Ancient Secrets has been absorbed into the Book of Shadows spell, as we talked about. Chains of Carceri, Dreadful Word, have been replaced by Mystic Arcanum. Eyes of the Roomkeeper now clarifies that it doesn't decode secret messages. Favor of the Chainmaster has been... Uh, is the new is a new invocation that enhances pact of the chain so let's actually take a look at that one since it's new ninth level warlock or higher pact of the chain feature required uh, your bond with the familiar summoned by your pact familiar spell grows more powerful whenever the familiar hits with its eldritch strike the target experiences the following effect associated with the creature's creature type Aberration, slowing slime, the target's speed is reduced by 5 feet until the end of your next turn, and it can't take the dash or disengage actions. Celestial, guiding light. The next attack roll against the target before the end of your next turn has advantage, and if the target has the invisible condition, that condition is suppressed for the duration. Dragon, Draconic Might. If the target is medium or smaller, it has the prone condition. Fae, Beguiling Sting. The target has the charmed condition until the end of your next turn and perceives both you and the familiar as the charmer. Fiend, Unearthly Toxin. The target has the poison condition until the end of your next turn. And finally, Undead, Whispers of the Grave. The target has the frightened condition until the end of your next turn. You choose whether the target is frightened of you or the familiar. Fun, I like that one.
0: Yeah, a little additional little buff uh, to your to your little buddy.
1: Yes, uh, gaze of two minds is now usable as a bonus action rather than an action. It no longer applies the blinded and deafened conditions to you, and it allows you to cast spells from your space or from the other creature's space. Finally, it now requires fifth level to take. Gift of protectors has been imported from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Hexer is a new invocation that enhances. Hex. Let's take a look at that. When you cast hex, its range is six hundred feet, and you have advantage on any Constitution saving throw you make to maintain concentration on that spell specifically. Totally fine. I don't know if it's worth an invocation, but fine.
0: That guy way over there.
1: Do you see him? No,
0: I do. Nope. Screw him.
1: Give me, give me. Hey, uh, Artificer, can I see your sniper rifle real quick? Then <laughs> you just fucking hex him. Uh, Lessons of the First One is a new invocation that allows the Warlock to dabble in different areas. Lessons of the Old One, what do you do? You have received knowledge from an Elder Entity of the Multiverse, allowing you to gain one feat of your choice, such as Skilled, that is available to first-level characters that lacks any prerequisites, so you get access to background features. I think that's fine, I'm into that. Life Drinker now requires level 9 rather than level 12 and it deals a d6 of extra damage and it also heals you. Life Drinker, 9th level Warlock. It's the Pact of the Blade one. It used to just deal a little bit of extra damage. It is now a dice-based extra damage instead of just a flat extra charisma boost. And it heals you. That is a straight buff, and you get it sooner. Um... Minions of Chaos and Mire the Mind have been replaced by Mystic Arcanum. Mystic Arcanum is new, we talked about that already. Repelling Blast now works on creatures that are large or smaller, so you can affect more things. Sculptor of Flesh, Sign of Ill-Omen, Thief of the Five Fates have all been replaced by Mystic Arcanum. Thirsting Blade has been absorbed into the Pact Weapon spell. Voice of the Chainmaster has been absorbed into the Pact Familiar spell. And Witch Sight now simply just gives you True Sight.
0: So now, now you, you can see more than just witches. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. you can see more than witches.
0: There's a witch over there. Yeah, we saw our guy.
1: Yeah, Agonizing they didn't mention this, but Agonizing Blast did have a change to it where it adds your spellcasting ability modifier than your charisma to um, Eldritch Blast's damage. Mm. Uh, they didn't mention that in the Eldritch Invocation updates. So How a lot.
0: dare they? We have to go beat up Wizards of the Coast now.
1: A lot of invocations are being removed because they simply just gave you free castings of spells, which now Mystic Erconum does. Uh, all of the other changes I feel like have been, they've been absorbed into your packed boon that you just get at level five for free, which is nice. So in a way, they are kind of giving you more Eldritch invocations because a lot of invocations are simply just Mystic Arcanum now or they've been absorbed into other things that you're already getting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Net positive on the Eldritch invocations. I just wish they gave us more of them. That's fair. Okay, Uh, the subclass option that they give you is the fiend patron design notes patron spells replaces the expanded spell list rather than merely expanding your spell list patron spells gives you certain spells that you always have prepared and once per long rest you can cast one of those spells without a spell slot the list of spells has also been updated. The spells included are at third level you get Burning Hands and Command. At fifth level you get Scorching Rain Suggestion. At ninth level you get Fear and Stinking Cloud. At thirteenth level you get Blight and Wall of Fire. And then at seventeenth level you get Flame Strike and Insect Plague. I think this is a great way for them to give you free castings of spells that are at a full spellcaster progression, whereas these are at your half-caster progression. Hmm. Actually,
0: Burning Hands is second level. Is Burning Hands first level? I don't have that. No, that is not. Yeah. A, that is not something in my knowledge.
1: Scorching ray is definitely not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. This is half level. This is half spellcaster progression, not full spellcaster progression. Righted. I think that's a good play. A good way for them to give you sp- full spellcaster progression instead of half caster progression. Personally, Dark One's blessing is now also triggered by an enemy dropping to zero hit points within five feet of you. Dark One's blessing. When you reduce an enemy to zero hit points or an enemy drops to zero hit points within five feet of you, you gain temporary hit points equal to your spellcasting ability modifier plus your Warlock Club. Dark One's Own Luck can now be used a number of times equal to your spellcasting ability modifier rather than once per rest. Uh, you get When you make an ability check or saving throw, you can use the feature to add an additional D10 to the roll. Uh, you do so after the initial roll, but before any of the roll's effects occur, so before you know the outcome. Uh, you can use it a number of times equal to your spellcasting ability modifier. You regain all uses when you finish Long Rest. Fiendish Resilience is no longer bypassed by magic or silvered weapons, which monsters almost never possess. That's is that <laughs> that that is, that, is, fair. that is them being brutally honest with themselves. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then Hurl Through Hell has now been used again. If you can now be used again if you expend a spell slot of at least 4th level. The feature also now includes a saving throw for the target. So, Hurl Through Hell when you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can use this feature to instantly transport the target through the lower hells. the creature disappears and hurdles through its nightmare landscape. At the end of your next turn, the target returns to the space it previously occupied or the nearest unoccupied space. If the target is not a fiend, it must make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC upon its return. On a fail save, it takes 10d10 psychic damage. On a successful save, it takes half as much damage. Once you finish... Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest unless you expend a spell slot of 4th level when you use it again. You can use this feature only once per turn. So it's a way for you to expend multiple spell slots in a turn to get up to 10d10 psychic damage. Mm-hmm. And you kind of remove them from the battlefield until your next turn. That's pretty cool. That's, I think that's a marked improvement. All right, that is the Warlock. There's a lot. to take
0: we've, in. we've said a lot on the warlock already, um, and and there's a lot of discussion to be had around it.
1: Mm. Play test it.
0: Play test it. Absolutely. I would hate to. Uh, I would, at this point, you know, a lot as a as a person who DMs a lot yeah. and plays, I and have you know, I've I've played with a lot of new players. This warlock is one that I would be a little hesitant to. Uh, help a new player try and set up until I've done it a couple of times. Even even the previous
1: Warlock was a little bit of a was a little bit of a, a new player barrier. True. With the amount of customization. True. But we at last an hour and 43 minutes in come to the Wizard. The last this is a long episode guys. Bear with us. The Wizard Mage Group Intelligence all the same. Design notes. Spellcasting now allows you to use your spellbook as a spellcasting focus. Hey! About fucking time. <laughs> wizard Spellbook is a new first-level f- level feature which consolidates spellbook rules into one place. In addition, this feature gives you the wizard-only spell, Scribe Spell. All right wizard spell book it's just all the rules for known spells ritual casting casting creating a secondary spell book as well as the appearance and the scribe spell spell what does that spell do Sam?
0: first level transmutation spell ritual wizard casting time two hours per level of scribed spell uh, material components a quill a book 50 gold of fine inks per level of the spell the spell consumes the inks Channeling magic through the quill and ink, you scribe an arcane spell into your spellbook or a blank book worth at least 50 gold. Then the scribe spell must be of a level for which you have a spell slot and a book must lack the spell. As you magically scribe the spell, you must copy it from another spellbook or a spell scroll or you must have it you must have it prepared. If you copy it from a spell scroll, the s- scroll is destroyed. If you have a spell pre- sp- If you have the spell prepared, the casting time and components cost are halved. When the scroll- when the scribing is complete, the spell becomes one of your known spells in the book, appearing on its own page as if the book- unless the book is out of pages. Sorry, wait. Oh. Appearing on its own page if the book was out of pages. The spell appears- in a cipher that is only understandable to you or someone casting the identify or scribe spell. If the book was blank before the scribing, the book is now your spellbook.
1: Wow, wizards loves to word, word there wordy up so their many, shit. There
0: were so many s followed by a constant <laughs> words in there. Uh, basically,
1: this is uh, the the adding a spell to your spellbook rules into a, turning it into a spell. That's really all this is. Yeah. Great. Academic is a new second level feature. Academic. Your time as a scholar has equipped you to recall a broad range of lore. When you take the study action, a dumb action, you have advantage on any intelligence check you make as part of that action. Great. Arcane recovery has moved from first level to second level. It has otherwise remained the same. Memorize Spell is the new 5th level feature, Memorize Spell. You have unlocked the secrets of the Memorize Spell. And add that spell to your spellbook. Sam, what is Memorize
0: Spell? Memorize Spell, 3rd level divination, ritual, wizard. Casting time, 1 minute. Components, your spellbook, and some other stuff. You choose a spell from your spellbook that you don't have prepared. And choose another spell you do have prepared. The unprepared spell replaces the prepared spell on your spell of prepared spells. On your list of prepared spells. Christ. <laughs> this replacement lasts until you cast <laughs> a memorized spell again, or you finish a long rest. At higher spells, such as fourth level or higher, you can replace an additional prepared spell with an unprepared spell for each slot above third.
1: This is replace a prepared spell you have with an unprepared spell you have. Takes a minute that that's what this spell does new feature at seventh level you get modify spell which unlocks the modify spell spell spam what does the modify spell spell do
0: (laughs) grace fourth level transmutation spell ritual wizard one casting time one minute components your spell book using arcane formulas in your spell book you magically alter one arcane spell you have prepared you can change the spells Color, sound, and smell, and make one of the following modifications. Components. Remove one of the spell's components, verbal, somatic, or material. You can't remove the material components of a spell that consume the component. Concentration. If the spell requires concentration, damage can't break your concentration on that spell. That is oh so powerful. Yeah, that's a good one. That is really fucking good. Damage types. If the spell has a damage type, replace it with one of the following, acid, cold, fire, lightning, necrotic, poison, or thunder. If the spell has multiple damage types, you can only change one of them. Range If the spell has a range of at least 5 feet and doesn't have a range of self, increase its range to a number of feet equal to 30 times your wizard level. Ritual If it lacks a ritual tag and has a casting time of at least 10 minutes, give it the ritual tag. Targets If the spell affects one or more creatures and doesn't have a range of self, it now affects only your allies or enemies you choose when you cast Modify Spell. The chosen alteration lasts until you cast Modify Spell again or you finish a long rest. This altered version of the spell can't be added to the spellbook or spell scrolls without first casting Create Spell. When you cast this spell using a slot of 5th level or higher, you can choose an additional spell modification for each slot above 4th level.
1: You know, it's interesting you bring up Create Spell, because at 9th level you get the Create Spell feature, which has unlocked the secrets of the Create Spell spell. Sam, what does the Create Spell spell do?
0: Create Spell. Fifth level. Transmutation Spell. Wizard. Casting time. Reaction. In response to yourself, casting Modify Spell. Components. An arcane focus, which the spell consumes, worth at least uh, 1,000 gold pieces per level of spell altered by Modify Spell. Synthesizing your arcane knowledge and power to strive to create a new spell. To succeed, you must concentrate for one hour and meditate on the spell you just altered with Modified Spell. Otherwise, the spell fails. If you succeed, you must start casting Scribe Spell within the next ten minutes and add the altered spell to your spellbook. Once the spell is in your spellbook, it becomes one of your known spells. It gains the wizard source tag rather than the arcane tag, and it gains a name of your choice.
1: Alright. That's a, that's a lot for a trio of spells that all work very intimately together. All of this is doing, these, this trio of spells, when you get to level 9, you are now able to change several of the parameters of any spell that you have, and then permanently add those modifications as options in your spellbook. You could, theor- could I can't, the wording of that, I can't, that's so fucking wordy. Could you, in theory, let's say, modify Fireball to deal cold damage? Mm-hmm you create the spell, you scribe it into your spellbook. That spell, could you then modify the range? Create the spell, scribe the spell, and then modify and then go through and do multiple modifications through several series of creating new spells.
0: I believe you could either do that, that or you could expend a higher level spell slot to do them all at once.
1: To do them all at once. Which yes. would
0: save you cuz you do have to spend a 1000 gold every it, time it you would, want to create the spell.
1: It would it would save you on gold. That is so fucking wizardly. And one of the great, like Mordenkanen's whatever, Luke's whatever spells, wizards can now on their own, le- like on their own terms, create their own levels. Uh, in the YouTube video where they talked for like forty minutes about this playtest, which we have gone well over at this point. How would they condense it down so much? I know, right? And. They talked about how they were going to also be adding rules to the Dungeon Master's Guide for creating brand new spells, and it is probably going to be interacting with... The Create Spell, Scribe Spell, Modify spell f- uh, Spells as well. Um, this is a fucking flavor win and a half for the wizard, and it is also mechanizing something that has just kind of had to be homebrewed for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm very much into this. Also, the TikTok Live right now is getting some uh, really good cat action well, yeah, underneath that. the table. So, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that plopper. Okay. Okay. Uh, th- so fucking wordy. This is classic wizard shit.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to be a wizard and, under to, and able to understand what the wizard does. Yes. But that being said, I agree. Complete flavor win and uh, uh really cool... Um, way to customize your, char- your, your, your playstyle
1: and your character and this is so fucking cool and I'm really into it honestly uh, the, last, the last three things, spell mastery has been moved from 18th level to 15th level, signature spells have been moved from 20th level to 18th level and then you get an epic boon at level 20 um, this is the, 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 the base wizard I think is so much cooler I don't know if it's necessarily better I think it is better Mhm. especially with the spell mastery moved up and uh, all, all the spell mastery and the signature spells moved up giving you free castings of first and second level spells much sooner as well as two third level spells um much cooler much cooler much more much more dorky i was gonna say nerdy it it's dorky now and i'm into that
0: one of my favorite things that they've done all over a lot of these classes that they that we've seen in the UAs, in the 1D&D UAs, is that they've gotten rid of so many dead levels. Yes. With Wizards, yes. it used to be just feature, dead level, feature, dead level, feature, dead level. And now, yes, a lot of these in this case are um, spells that you just get. Oh, they are full features all are full confusing things
1: oh, they are very confusing the only quote unquote dead levels are 11th 13th and 17th uh, and at those levels you are getting a new level of spell slot at 6th 7th and 9th so you're still getting some big improvements to your wizard at those levels still finally the last the last fucking things Oh, God. oh, gosh, there's the rules glossary after this. Uh, we're we're going to gloss over that. But the Evoker yes. is the new subclass. Sam, you are no longer a school of evocation.
0: Wizard, no. You're now an Evoker.
1: You're now an Evoker. Uh, is the new naming convention for the wizard subclasses, which is to name the type of wizard rather than the type or school of magic. <laughs> which, you know... You've made fun of quite a bit. I've
0: made fun of quite a bit.
1: Uh, evocation savant now adds two evocation spells of your choice to your spellbook, in addition to reducing the cost. So now the evocation wizard is going to learn more evocation shit. A surprising thing that we even needed to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was uh, honestly one of my big problems with all, dif- all the different subclasses, at least in the 2014 Player's Handbook, is uh, they're not really different. They're just, take the School of Magic, and insert it in and copy-paste it into Find All and Replace. That's what <laughs> happened yeah. for a lot of the features. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, third level, you also get Sculpt Spells. When you cast an Evocation spell that affects other creatures that you can see, you can choose a number of them equal to 1 plus the spell's level. The chosen creatures automatically succeed their saving throws against the spell, and they take no damage if they would normally take half damage. Careful spell, but for your Evocation spells. There you go. Uh, sixth level you now get potent cantrip which now works with cantrips with an attack roll and not just saving throws your damaging cantrips affect even creatures that avoid the brunt of the effect when you cast a cantrip at a creature that in miss with an attack roll or the creature or the target succeeds on a saving throw against the cantrip the target takes half of the cantrip's damage if any but suffers no additional effects from the cantrip
0: it really takes the sting off missing with a firebolt
1: yeah it does now. Uh, there's just uh, li- now. Th- now there's just now. It's just a tickle instead of a bolt,
0: yeah,
1: of fire. And then of course, tenth level, empowered evocation. When you cast an evocation spell with the arcane spell list, you can add your intelligence modifier to the damage. And then of course, of course, fourteenth level is over channel. It's the same. You're dealing. You're you. You can upcast without actually upcasting, and then you take damage. It's it's the same as it was before.
0: Final thoughts on the wizard. Uh, I'm it's a lot it's a lot um, <laughs> I I would love to I, I this is one of those that I'd have to sit down and go through and probably play the full campaign before I've decided on my, my opinions on these yeah. modify and, and create spells
1: in a playtest environment if you were going to do like a one shot like we would like to do definitely converse with the person who's playing the wizard and see if they have any spells that they want to have previously modified scribed and created yeah um, or I guess in, in order, modify, created, and scribed. Yes. In the order that they would be used, not the order you get them. But.
0: Yeah, but just because there one, there are so many spells that you could have, that you could modify and then create and then scribe that uh, depending on your play style, depending on the campaign that you're in, mm-hmm. this could have a lot of versatility and this could have a lot of cool things you could do. Yeah. Finally.
1: At long last, we come to the Rules Glossary. This will go quickly. Uh, Change log for the Rules Glossary. Uh, There's a list of entries that have been added, revised, removed since the previous Unearthed Arcana. If an entry is removed from the glossary, that entry is not moving forward in the playtest. Please use the relevant rule for the 2014 Player's Handbook instead of the removed entry. The removed entries are changes to the Artisan's Tools, the Dying Condition, the Exhausted Condition, the Gaming Set Tool, and the Musical Instrument Tool. So all of those have been removed. They have now been reverted back to 2014. The new and revised entries, there are only three. Death Saving Throws replaces the dying condition that appeared in the previous UA. The Influence Action, it clarifies that the DM drives both the use and the DCs of this action. Why does it need to be an action? We've railed against the, the Influence Action before. I think it is bad to have it actively. Yeah. True sight clarifies the appearance of visual illusions to the creature with true sight. Other than that there are no changes in the rules glossary, which means we can wrap up our section of the first part of the podcast at let's see, what, 2 hours, hour 58. <laughs> 1 hour and 58 minutes. What do you think of the player's handbook playtest number 5?
0: Playtest number 5 I think uh, has a lot of positive um changes to it especially in those first couple of classes we see uh the barbarian the fighter and the sorcerer um and compared compared to the ones we've uh previous playtests namely the druid and paladin playtest um i there's just so much to look at here that the fact that we now have the ability to actually go sit down and play
1: oh my gosh yes we can actually
0: play test we can create characters, we can create
1: several different types of characters. Pretty much all of the classes except I think it's just the monk and the bard? No, I the bard, bard was an expert. Bard. Yeah. I think it's just, the, it just monk. the monk. Let's see. Bard, barbarian. Fighter, cleric, druid. Monk is not. Paladin. Ranger. Warlock. Sorcerer.
0: Wizard. Rogue. Rogue. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. just missing the monk at this missing point. Missing the monk, and they're not doing the artificer because they're not. not in the, that was the Tasha thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have the ability to play all of the classics except the monk now, and uh, they, we can actually see what it's like to play yep. the game.
1: We have all the we have all the uh, the spell lists available, all the changes. To specific spells that have been made uh, thankfully you can only you only need to reference the rules glossary for this most recent play test for rules changes whereas everything else is defaulted to the 2014 player's handbook version so that's useful as well <sighs> at long last let's move on from dungeons and dragons and let's talk about magic the gathering because uh magic has had the uh Magic Con in Minneapolis, where they showed off a lot of stuff in the preview panel. This is a Twitter thread that I'm going to be referencing from uh, Wizards underscore Magic, Mag- the official Magic the Gathering account. We got a lot of things to go through for upcoming Magic products. First off, Magic the Gathering, Universes Beyond, Doctor Who. Sam, you like the Doctor I Who. I do
0: enjoy Doctor Who.
1: Who is the
0: Doctor? That's the question.
1: Good. Is going to have four four pre-constructed Commander decks in the Doctor Who universe, each with 50 new cards. Are each of them going to have 50 new cards from each other? It's probably 50 new cards total across all four, would be my guess.
0: Yeah, I I don't see them create... I mean, they could create 200 new cards for this product. We saw a lot of new cards from uh, the Warhammer universes beyond, but we'll have to see. Yes. We'll have to see. The first deck that they show is Blast from the
1: Past. It's a deck that goes through the storied history of the franchise, and it features the first eight Doctors in Doctor Who. It is going to be blue, white, and green in the colors, and they showed off some art. No cards, but they showed off art for the fourth Doctor asking, Would you like a jelly baby? And then uh, Sarah Jane Smith going on a little adventure. Uh, And they are also going to introduce a new... uh, A new mechanic called Doctor's Companion, which allows you to have two commanders if the other is a doctor. The design team felt it only right that we highlight the dynamic duos so prevalent in the show. This seems you can have a second commander if one of them is the doctor.
0: What I assume this is going to be is, like, Friends Forever, or yeah. Partnered, or Partner... More it's going to be Partner With. Uh, that's what I assume it's going to be. Again, we don't know. Partner With. Partner With. So it's going to have, like, Sarah Jane uh, Smith partner with a doctor. Yes. The fourth doctor, seemingly,
1: in this case, would be, well, I guess. The if fourth
0: it's... doctor, but...
1: With, with Sarah Jane Smith. With as... Sarah,
0: Sarah Jane Smith can have any of the doctors. Interesting. Hypothetically, we're going yeah. to get all 15. Okay. Sixteen? well I forget okay. how many we have right now. Seemingly. Uh
1: Tiny Wimey will show the 10th Doctor and Rose on the front of the packaging. The deck also features Doctors 9, 10, and 11. It is going to be white, red, blue, uh, and they show off uh, the 10th Doctor with his iconic screwdriver. David Tennant. Yes. Uh, Paradox Power is going to feature the 13th Doctor with Yasmin Khan, as well as the 12th Doctor. It's going to be red, blue, green, and... uh, Showed off a a, a picture of the 13th Doctor. Cool. Uh, And then, as promised, the Masters of Evil has incarnations of the Masters, Daleks, and Cybermen. And will have, surely, a few more infamous faces. It is going to be red, black, blue. And then it showed some art um, of Davros, creator of the Daleks. And then, of course, it showed some landscapes that you see in the TARDIS in their basic lands, uh, as well
0: as Bad Wolf art. Yes, Bad Wolf was a a recurring theme uh, for the 9th and 10th Doctors.
1: uh, It is in a vertical format of art, so don't know how they're going to incorporate that. And then uh, they also showed a plane chase card. Uh, the Lux. Oh, that's
0: right. They're doing more plane chase.
1: Yes. Uh, the Tardis jumping between worlds made it clear from the start that plane chase had to feature as part of these decks. Here's a new look at the Lux Foundation Libraries. The plane, the library. Uh, players have no maximum hand size. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. Whenever chaos ensues, a shadow put a shadow counter on target creature. A creature with a shadow can block and a. A creature with shadow can block or be blocked only by creatures with a shadow.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yes. And then, of course, we see they're going to have some collector boosters. uh, Showed off a little bit more art of the 13th Doctor's TARDIS showcase art. Uh, And then showed off some important dates. First look is going to be July 28th, shortly before Gen Con. So we'll probably be able to see some cool stuff there at Gen Con. Uh, October 8th is going, or October 3rd is going to be the debut. And then October 13th is going to be the official launch. First look is going to happen at MagicCon Barcelona.
0: Barcelona.
1: What do you think? About about the Doctor Who. This is more your thing. I don't really give a shit about this. So. Uh, I mean,
0: this sounds cool to me, and like I, I'm I'm a big fan of the new generation being uh, starting with nine, ten, and eleven. I kind of fell off after that, but mm-hmm. yeah. So that's probably the one. I'll 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 probably get the one that uh, has again cost cost cost
1: notwithstanding. Not yes. If they're if they're like thirty dollar commander decks, I could see you getting all four. Honestly, maybe they will If they're be.
0: if they're they are if they they will not be. <laughs> If they're going in the the way... If they're $60, I'll probably get one. If they're going in the way of like the Commander Masters ones, uh, i probably not going to get any of them. Yeah, I
1: don't think they'll be Commanders. Yeah, I don't think they'll be Commander Master prices.
0: That's what I hope. My God.
1: Yeah. All right. We also get a little bit of art shown from Wilds of Eldrain. Uh, A new face on Eldraine is Ereti, the Charmed Apple. We see some art of her being all evil and holding an apple and having a mirror behind her that makes her look like a hag. So that's cool. Uh, Not a preview, but in March of the Machines, the Wicked Slumber instant card, it's in blue, uh, apparently showed depictions of how Eldraine defeated their Phyrexian invaders. Uh, Cool. Uh, Will, Scion of Peace has risen to fill the role of leading the people of Eldrain after the death of his parents. Uh, The siblings disagree on how to go about helping their home world heal. Will rises to be the unifying force, while Rowan is after power, believing with enough she'll be able to help fix her home. And then, of course, nightmares made manifest with Ashiok being shown off, and then Sir Ginger has a mount as a little gingerbread horse, which is pretty cool. Uh, they show the lineup of all of the uh, of all of the products available: draft set boosters, collector boosters, pre-release kits, bundles, and two commander pre-cons. The first one being Virtue and Valor which is going to be Selesnya, which is green, white. And then Fae Dominion, which is Demir, going to be blue, black. And Blake announced that the, quote, universes within versions of the Walking Dead cards are going to be included in the list for... The Wilds of Eldrain. Oh, the import that's interesting. Yes. They finally are doing that. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then the important dates we're going to get first look on July twenty eighth, the same time as the Doctor Who cards. Debut and previews begin August fifteenth, pre-releases September first to seventh. Digital launch on MTG Arena September fifth and then global launch on September eighth. Anything to say about Wilds of Eldrain? You know. No, I don't.
0: It's one of those it's one of those things where it's there's so many sets coming out. There's so many products for Magic: The Gathering, mm-hmm. and Well Drain. Wow, it seems cool. I like. I like some of the stuff they're talking about. I feel like it's going to slip beneath the yeah. radar with you know, well, Lord of the Rings coming out, and yeah. with Commander Masters coming out, and with the fact that we just had just finished a giant story arc and then had a a micro set.
1: Yeah. This. This. It's going to set up some. It's going to set up some interesting stories, I guess. If you're into the lore, we're not super into the Magic: The Gathering lore, uh, but especially given the products that are going to surround it, I think mm. absolutely it's going to be lost. Um, the next thing that that Wizards announced was that uh, MTG Arena is going to be available for Steam libraries. Uh, starting may 23rd and it will continue to have cross play if that is your thing uh, if you are into competitive magic the arena championship the prize pool is going to be two hundred thousand dollars and uh, it's going to be starting saturday may 27th and may 28th uh, going to be in las vegas 2023 world championships march of the machine draft and standard Going to be what's played there, so neat. And now we get on to Commander Masters. They showed off the commanders for all of the decks. First up, for the Eldrazi deck, we have Zolodok Void Gorger. It is going to be five and a colorless mana specifically. With colorless spells you cast from your hand with mana value seven or greater have cascade, cascade. So this deck is going to want you to cast big spells. Mm-hmm and then double cascade with them to get mm-hmm. other big spells. Yeah. It's fucked. It's also 7-4 Eldrazi.
0: Yeah. It, it, oh, that's what Eldrazi do. They, they Eldrazi all over the place.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of people that are already trying to break that, which I'm kind of into. I
0: feel like it's very easy to do.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Abzan, low-key one of my favorite trios of color combinations, white, black, green. We get the Enchantress, Anikthea, Hand of Erebos. This is Theros. I'm a fan of Theros. It is a legendary enchantment creature demigod that is a 4-4 for two white, black, green. It has menace, and other enchantment creatures you control have menace. Also, whenever Nyktha enters the battlefield or attacks, exile up to one target non-aura enchantment card from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that card except it is a 3-3 black zombie creature in addition to its other types. So all of your all of your enchantment staples, your enchantment creatures... Can now be reanimated mm-hmm. as creatures that will also now have menace because of her passive ability to give all enchantment creatures menace.
0: And all of your other enchantments. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You got rid of my smothering tide. Here it is as a zombie. Here it is as a zombie Guess with menace. Got rid of my uh, my uh, oh my ghostly prison. Here it is as a zombie with menace. Yeah. I think this is a lot of fun. I
1: th- this is. I'm already into the enchantress stuff, and they're pro- you're probably going to get... I wouldn't be surprised if you get a reprint of Sithis Harvest Hand, mm. or, or or any of the other really good Enchantress card draw cards, so that'll be really cool. Uh, next we have... Oh boy. It's a Planeswalker. Commodore Guff. In the lore, supposedly a the writer of the multiverse, and his abilities don't really reflect that. <laughs> uh, it is a Planeswalker for one blue-red-white... It is a starting 5 loyalty. Static ability of, at the beginning of your end step, put a loyalty counter on another target planeswalker you control. It has a plus 1 for create a 1-1 red wizard creature token with tap to add red mana. Spend this mana only to cast a planeswalker spell. It has minus 3 to draw X cards, and Commodore Guff deals X damage to each opponent where X is the number of planeswalkers you control. Kind of underwhelming, especially for the supposed writer of the multiverse. Yeah, yeah. It's got some cool
0: art. It's got cool art. And the thing with a with a with a super friends deck, as this is colloquially known, um, you're gonna have a lot of abilities. And the fact that your commander's abilities are kind of he's he's just copying some other abilities that we yeah. see on other planeswalkers, like okay okay, the you know, his static is isn't is good for a planeswalker deck but the other two you kind of hope would be better
1: yeah i the why doesn't
0: even have an ultimate
1: yeah he doesn't it's it's one of those uh, i don't know i he could he could have been a lot more powerful i'm i'm skeptical of that deck at last we have the sliver deck <laughs> slivers you've heard queen you've heard overlord you've heard legion you've heard Li- hive lord now you have sliver grave mother For Wooburg, which is one of every color, you get a 6-6 legendary creature sliver. The legend rule doesn't apply to slivers you control. Each sliver creature card in your graveyard has Encore X, where X is its mana value. Sliver Grave Mother has Encore 5. Encore, for those of you that don't know, you pay the cost, exile this card from your graveyard, for each opponent create a token copy that attacks that opponent this turn, if able. They gain haste, sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step, activate only as a sorcery. Do you want three queen slivers? Do you want three overlord slivers? Do you want three legion slivers? Or hive lord slivers? Or first slivers? You can get three of them. They're not going to
0: die to legend rule. Nope. (laughs) they will die when you have to sacrifice them, but... But... That's going to be you set up and then you pop. You, yeah, you sliver all over the place.
1: Oh, and and any any of your slivers are going to be able to pop back in at any point. So they finally get rid of one of your major sliver pieces. You can get them back. You get three of them. You get to swing all of them at each of your opponents,
0: and then they'll go away. Yeah. So slivers already have an annoying their annoying feature of every other sliver has this. Oh yeah. And now uh, now it's even it's going to be even more fun.
1: Yeah. Also. So we also get the art of the actual commander masters boxes for the commanders next. But uh, there are cards that are not in the four decks and are only found in Commander Master's boosters. First up, one not seen since Portal is Personal Tutor with some Strixhaven flavor. Personal Tutor is a one-mana sorcery, or a one blue mana for a sorcery, where you search your library for a sorcery card, reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top. Another tutor effect. Probably not going to be a very expensive one because it only tutors up sorceries, but there's a lot of great sorceries that you might want to tutor up. That's true. Next, a well-known and well-beloved green ramp commander in Selvala, Heart of the Wilds. Selvala, Heart of the Wilds is one green green for a 2-3 legendary elf scout. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, its controller may draw a card if its power is greater than each other creature's power. You can also pay a green mana and tap it to add X mana in any combination of colors where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. A perfectly fine commander for a mono green deck that wants to cast really big things. That's Commander Masters.
0: Real quick, I do have the Amazon page pulled up for it right now. Oh, for fuck's for sake. For some pricings, because we already knew we've when when they first announced this product, we know that we knew that it was going to have some ridiculous prices. Um, right now on Amazon, pre-order prices for uh, we'll just give some the Enduring Enchantments deck is eighty-four thirty-seven.
1: Fuck's sake.
0: Um, the for all th- if you want all four decks you can get them for three hundred and forty two dollars pre order. <laughs> a dra- <laughs> that's ludicrous. A draft booster box, uh, which is twenty four packs of four hundred and eighty cards, is three hundred and forty nine dollars.
1: Uh, sidebar, sidebar. Why are they doing draft boosters for a set that is designed for commander?
0: I don't know. That's when? beyond me. That's that's
1: that's that's a dumb thing to do. I bet the draft. The draft environment is not going to be very good for this this set
0: especially if it's supposed to be a bunch of powerful like you know relic cards know yeah that. uh anyway the uh booster box 24 packs of 360 magic cards 480 and uh the collector's booster at this time is four packs for 60 cards is 250 dollars that is the only one that's like relatively normal fuck that Buy
1: singles, straight up. Buy singles. And then lastly, the thing that we're really all here for. At least I am. Uh, Magic the Gathering, universes beyond. Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth. We get a couple more previews of things. Call of the Ring is a one and a black mana enchantment that says, At the beginning of your upkeep, the ring tempts you. Whenever you choose a creature as your ring bearer, you may pay two life if you do draw a card. Whenever the ring tempts you, you must pick a creature as your ring bearer. So this is basically for Roxanne Arena. Pay two life, draw a card. With
0: the benefit of the ring bearing.
1: The ring is an emblem that you are going to get. We now know what it means when it says the ring tempts you. It is going to be a two-sided token. Or, I assume it's going to be a token that they include in probably okay. most of the packs.
0: Probably like the, the day-night token that they include in most yes. of the werewolf packs.
1: Yes. The ring tempts you. As the ring tempts you, you get an emblem named the ring if you don't have one. Then your emblem gains its next ability, and you choose a creature you control to become or remain your king- your ring-bearer. Your king-bearer. Your ring-bearer. The rules are, the ring can tempt you even if you don't control a creature. The ring gains its abilities in order from top to bottom. Once it gains an ability, it has that ability for the rest of the game. Each time the ring tempts you, you must choose a creature you control if you control one. Each player can have only one emblem named the ring and only one ring bearer at a time. Oh, there are four abilities associated with the ring. The first ability, your ring bearer is legendary and can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. In a non-commander format, then. We we discussed if they if that means they would be legend ruled, but if a legendary creature with one name enter is on the battlefield and then you play a non legendary creature with that same name, I don't think the legend rule even applies. So it's weird. That they would it has become... to be
0: a legendary. Uh, both, both copies would have to be a legendary creature.
1: Yeah. So it's weird that it makes it legendary, but I mean, I think it's just flavor. Flavor wins. Flavor wins. <laughs> uh, but it can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. That makes some of the cards that we've already seen, like the the Frodo card that like levels up itself, yeah. and then like Gollum, the one power creatures that makes them much more powerful when they are the Ring bearer, yep. which I think is kind of the point. <laughs> uh, the second ability is whenever your Ring bearer attacks, draw a card, then discard a card. Every time you, every time your ring bearer attacks, you loot. It's going to be attacked and likely going to be unblockable by most, at least by one of the players for playing commander. Yeah. The third ability: whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it at the end of combat. This is different than death touch.
0: Yes, because death touch says says that if they take da- if the death touching creature damages the other creature, that creature is destroyed.
1: Which but, indestructible creatures cannot be destroyed.
0: Correct, but this is an edict effect where it's affecting the target player. Yes. To having to cause to sacrifice their own creature.
1: Yes. So this is going to bypass indestructible. If 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 they manage to block your ring bearer, whatever they are blocking with is gone into the graveyard. Period.
0: Of course, there's a there's a chance there'll be a jump blocker anyway. Chance um, chances are, but one, one a soldier nice, get him.
1: That's a nice bit of utility. True. True. And then the last ability is the fourth level ability. Whenever your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. Fine. Commander-oriented, for sure. And a fine ability. All four of these abilities do not have a downside. People are very upset that the one ring does not have a downside. Their justification for that has been, well, when you played it with a downside, people would not play cards that tempted them and if they did, they would not want to have the One Ring, and they don't use the One Ring abilities. Mm-hmm. So we're going to not give them a downside so that you use the abilities. Yeah. I'm okay with that.
0: It's it's one of those things, like we were going, if, if we want to back to earlier in the podcast, when we were talking about the Barbarian, the reason people didn't use, uh, you know, would be, we might not use the bad abilities, or the abilities that were strong, but damaged you, was because while the they were strong, they damaged you. Yeah. This is the same idea. And if magic had a more historic... Um, a more historic, for every upside, there's a downside for, sort of build. Which some games do. Yeah. Not this one. Yeah. It's hard to introduce a, a, a good for bad when you don't have a history of that. Yeah. it's
1: The good has to be really fucking good, and the bad has to be not that bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, at that point, it's like, why are you even bothering? The last new card that they showed is Sauron the Necromancer. Which, the art on it is just... I'm into it, sexually. It is a 3 black black for a 4-4 legendary creature avatar horror with menace. And whenever Sauron the Necromancer attacks, exile target creature card from your graveyard. Create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 3-3 black wraith with menace. At the beginning of your next end step, exile that token unless Sauron is your ring bearer unless sauron is your ring bearer that is a flavorful win i agree okay. sauron being your ring bearer you can now keep your token copies with menace that you are pulling from your own graveyard holy reanimator
0: your your legendaries <laughs> that you that you yes pull back from the graveyard and turn into wraiths yes that's a lot of fun
1: that is fucking awesome the idea of Sauron being your ring bearer, creating their nine ring rates from people that have fucking died in your graveyard. Also, that ability is fucking good. <laughs> You're getting a 3-3 token copy with Menace of any creature in your graveyard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So cool. I think the only way this could have been more of a flavor win is if it was a target creature card from any graveyard.
0: Yeah, that would have been cool.
1: That would have been cool. Probably a little bit too powerful at that point, but really I, fucking
0: cool. I mean, with those kind of decks, even even if it did say from anyone's graveyard, it's still kind of like, do you do you sit there and rely on your opponents to have cool things in their graveyard? Yeah.
1: It's also, it's just one of those nice, nice to haves. It's like, oh, this card has been a pain in the ass for the fucking table and someone finally removed it now i get it yeah i mean if you
0: really want that effect there are some of those effects out there and at the same time
1: it would play more into the flavor of like sauron corrupting the people to his side kind of thing that would have been cool but even as is that's a fucking awesome card
0: elves an elves deck a dwarves deck a human's deck versus sauron the necromancer deck
1: that'd be so cool i can't wait for this fucking set i'm 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 like i'm like you're jittery i'm quivering with excitement i like that verb uh Last two things. We'll go through these very quickly. Uh, plan to attend Magic Celebration event at your local game store from July 7th to 9th, and it uses Lord of the Rings art. So, cool. Lord of the Rings things that that week, uh, that weekend. Uh, Magic in Barcelona is happening at the end of May. Uh, you can get badges uh, the day after this podcast goes live, and it's at the end of July. And then, finally... One last thing, guys. One, one last thing. Just one more. It's going to be quick, I promise. Um... Magic the Gathering is revitalizing Standard. They are changing the rotation for the Standard format. Starting with the current Standard environment, sets will rotate out every three years rather than every two years. So the current set sets that were set to rotate would have been Innistrad, Crimson Vow, Innistrad, Midnight Hunt, Kamigawa, Neon Dynasty, and the Streets of New Kapena, are going to remain in standard until they would normally rotate out of standard in 2024. Or They would normally rotate in 2023, right about like with the release of Wilds of Eldraine. Now they're going to rotate with the set that releases at the beginning of next fall in 2024. So cards are going to remain in standard for longer. Their methodology for this is, is quote, it will give current standard cards more longevity... It will allow mechanics and archetypes to be more effectively built on over time and it is going to give stronger tools to create an environment where decks are more quote colors and mechanic like green white toxic or blue white soldiers and less mid-range specifically grixis mid-range which dominates like half of all standard decks and their win rate is by far the highest um they want to give it more they want to give standard more stability, vitality and then strengthen it for local game stores because local game stores aren't playing standard very much. Um, does this solve that pro- any of those problems? It gives the cards more longevity? Sure. It gives them more flexibility to build out archetypes over time, sure. Doesn't really solve the problem
0: unless they ban more cards, which is not going to be very good for standard. It's also a thing of like All right. What's the reason? You know, I mean, is this? Maybe they did a survey that we didn't see, and they and they did ask people, why aren't you playing standard anymore? Maybe these were the answers, but you know, maybe the reason is is just that there's a million different, you know, formats these days, and obviously Commander has one of the highest populations anymore. Um, Then there's also. Pioneer, there's modern, there's popper, there's now different forms of of EDH as well as command of of you know between popper EDH and CEDH and Oathbreaker just became an official format. There's Legacy, there's all of these different ones. You know, it's interesting that they've that they're interested in revitalizing Standard in particular.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. Standard is like. It's, it's it's the, the best it's the yes it's it's the format that gets brand new players in yeah they have you want to buy the most recent cards okay you can play the most recent cards and you're going to be playing against the most recent cards mm-hmm. now it's going to be the most recent cards and some cards that have been around for a while and you're still going to have the problem of all these fucking mid-range decks that don't really commit to a mechanic or strategy that they've been designing around so I don't know. I don't think it solves the problem.
0: I I don't play standard, so, you know...
1: I only play a little bit on arenas, and from what I've been seeing from other people that do play standard more consistently, they're, they're like, this seems very unnecessary, and it's just going to lead to more cards being banned. That's fair. Well, Sam, we are almost two and a half hours into this podcast. It is time as we always do for me to ramble off a little bit while Sam looks at uh, comments, because at the end of the show, we like to answer questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and or ideas from both our discord server, as well as the TikTok live chat, where uh, you can watch this podcast, where we record it live the day before it goes live on Tuesdays, every other week. Uh, This podcast can be found on Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, microwave ovens, all of the same. Samuel, what does the TikTok live chat have to say?
0: Way back at the beginning, Jose Maxira says, Guys, I played MTG in my country like 15 years ago. Pretty competitive player. How should I start? I assume get back in.
1: Uh, Magic Arena, because it's free and you can get a lot of cards for free and you can relearn, you can relearn how to play, for one, and uh, get uh, some exposure to what the new mechanics are and the new types of cards are. That's what I would do, and then work your way back into paper when you can, where where you'll actually be spending money when you are a bit more knowledgeable of the current magic environment.
0: All right, this is an interesting question. Uh, again, a while ago, it's from off the cuff Tom. Thoughts on characters? I assume uh, thoughts on players who want to make characters with a unique backstory that's outside of lore.
1: Hmm. For D and D, outside of lore
0: so this is actually an interesting question that i kind of had a a a not back and forth but like i kind of responded to like a, a good six months ago from a creator who played a lot of pathfinder in pathfinder all the stories happen in the same world like they're all there's one setting the world is the setting as far as i'm aware understand and uh his question was back then very similar what what happens how in D do you you know um um balance the fact if, if the players want to go somewhere else that's not there. Like, where what if they want to go to Strixhaven and, yeah. and they're in a, uh, a Dragonlance campaign? And my kind of response there was um, the lore of D&D is, is... They have made so many lores that at this point, I think they more expect people just to do their own setting and to draw on influences from these different things. But if you're going to play... In a Dragonlance campaign, that's because you and your players have agreed that you want to play in a Dragonlance campaign, and that means the players probably want to build characters that are Dragonlance characters.
1: If they want to build Strixhaven characters, then they would have talked to you about can we do Strixhaven.
0: Exactly. So I think if if you are very if you if you have presented to your players that you want to play in this certain setting, then you should have buy-in from everybody that they're going to be in this setting. On the other hand, if you're brewing your own homebrew world, there's no reason that you can't have your players work with you collaboratively to build in this thing that they want to do. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a very good answer. You should do the uh, that thing that you're doing. You should vamp.
1: The vamp. vamp. The vamping thing. Well, oh, merch. We, ha- we talked about this at the top of the show. We have merch. You can check the link in Linktree in the bio. It should be the first link. We also have an Amazon affiliate store where you can get any of the products that we use for our live streams when we play Magic the Gathering, as well as products that we use uh, while playing D&D. Uh, we do get a small commission on those. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, on, on Instagram. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Sam does a lot of cool shorts over there.
0: Uh, I've always wanted to play D&D. Is it hard to learn? It's always a good question to answer. Yes
1: and no. It's, again, it depends on who you are playing with, how they like to play, what class you decide to play, what character you decide to make. If you want to, uh, if you're a brand new player, you've never played D&D before, and you were like, I really want to be a warlock, that's probably not going to be a very good learning experience for you. Because there's a lot of shit that you need to do as a warlock to build your character. If you're like, I just want to run up and swing a sword and fight some things, oh yeah, you can, you can build a fighter in like 10 minutes. And it's going to be a lot easier to get through the character building process because that is the big barrier in my mind to D&D for new people is the character creation process. Mm-hmm. Actually playing the game, you can kind of do it on the fly and learn the rules as they come up in a lot of ways. All you need to be primed with is most of your roles are going to be with this shiny math rock that is a D20. And Then you're good to go for the most part.
0: Um, a little extension of that, Ali Pickard asks, "Have any any hacks for someone who's going to play for the first time and completely and over their head?" I think it actually one uh, mentioned of them of the shiny math rocks. Um, first off, if you're hopefully you have a good DM who's willing to help explain things and/or you know very much just say roll this. Having different color dice. Yes. If you can if you can, you know, either pick up some from some from friends from some friends or buy multiple sets, have each die be a different color. So when it says, alright, roll, you know, roll me a dexterity saving throw, that's gonna be the red one.
1: Saving really throws. Saving throws are red, attacks are blue, your damage is purple, that kind of stuff.
0: Um other than that, just you know. Watch some uh, watch some some YouTube shorts by the Dungeon Bros.
1: Yes. Also, uh, check out check out some D and D Life place. That's also a good spot. Oh boy, we have a lot of comments right now, guys. There's
0: there's some good conversation happening.
1: Uh, we've also been going for two and a half hours at That's this point. I think too- this might be, if not the longest podcast we've done, it's certainly in the top three. Certainly so. In the top three, it's
0: an interesting. What What's something you'd love to see on an online shop from a brick and mortar game store?
1: Oh, from an on on an online shop from a brick and mortar game store. Um, huh. Certainly, like little little tchotchkes and little accessories for gaming. I think is a good thing for online because. If you're going to be buying a full-on game at a game store, like a board... Let's say, for example, a board game or like your rule books for D&D, you're probably going to your local game store for that. Or you're just going to get it on Amazon. If you're going to have your own online shop as a local game store, then you're going to need something that is unique, that stands out, that might be able to be shared on social media maybe go a little bit viral so like a l- little more esoteric things uh and then if you're if you sell cards for trading card games then you probably should have a good selection of singles available
0: um okay here we go keenan perry uh back to the spell points they did when we mentioned spell points video, yes. have you played with spell points yes
1: Yes, I have. Um, I have a Hexblade Warlock uh, for a campaign that our friend Darren was running. Uh, We haven't really played it in a while, but I replaced Pact Magic with the use of spell points, and it allowed me to do things like I can cast Shield without feeling like I'm wasting a third-level spell slot. And I still have spell points available to cast uh, Hex. I can can still cast my higher-level spells that I have access to that I like as a Hexblade, so, you know. I think it's I it's the way I would play a warlock if I were to play a 5E warlock. If I'm playing a 1D and D warlock, probably not.
0: Um, i play in a Star Wars 5th edition SW5E campaign and all spell casters and uh use spell points. Um it really simplifies things down, man. Like not really? Yeah. Like I just know I have thirty-three spell points to work with. I have here are my here are my spells. If I need to cast, you know, if I need to cast my you know my my counter spell equivalent, ever ever you know if I would need to use every one of these spell slots in order to save my party, I can.
1: Yeah, that's the main thing is that if you need if you just need six third level spell slots, you can use six third level spell slots. Uh, let's see, or whatever level that you are capable of making. I don't think six actually works out with the number of spell points you get,
0: but I digress. Math is hard, uh, Anthony. Spyro Polis says feelings on them reverting exhaustion.
1: I think it's fine. Uh, the, the the newer the newer the newer exhaustion they were going with was a ten point system instead of a six point system, and it was going to be just a flat minus one, minus two, minus, for every point of exhaustion you have. Um, I I think the old way of exhaustion was fine. I just think they had too many things that gave exhaustion too easily.
0: Mm. I think if they wanted to give exhaustion more easily, then they should have kept the new system. But if they want to keep exhaustion to be a more extreme punishment, which I think it should be, it should be that's fine. Okay. Um, they could also just make something new. They could take that exhaustion table they had and just make it something new.
1: Yeah, just change. Yeah, I think I think six levels of exhaustion dying at ten is fine. But once you once you hit like three levels of exhaustion, you're spiraling very quickly down mm-hmm. to six. Mm-hmm. So. I think maybe making six six level dead first first level exhaustion the same maybe shifted so that it's more deadly at like five and six instead of at like three.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Landon Rodriguez asks, "Are the forty or the forty k commander decks worth it?" So I got the Necrons deck back when it came out, and it was sixty dollars. It is well worth sixty dollars. I've since broken it up, and it goes into any of my reanimator decks, which I or, or reanimator or artifact decks which i seem to just continuously build um if you if they if they're still at one point they were like two hundred dollars not worth that no just buy the singles you need honestly they're they're very good they're a bunch of brand new card designs they're very good card designs they're really cool art buy singles yeah
1: <laughs> i would never buy a commander pre-con that is more than sixty dollars period and even that's probably too expensive. Try to find it in the $40 to $50 range. There's so many good pre-cons you can get that have been out for a while that you can find in a cheaper range like that.
0: Um, Sweet Potato, checkmark, says, What's the most surprising chaotic thing that's ever happened? had happen in a game?
1: <laughs> um... <laughs> I remember that I remembered something from my homebrew campaign from forever ago, but I can't remember the specifics of it. Oh wow! Well, there was a there was a hilar- there was a hilarious bath a uh, bathhouse scene moment that was funny. Um, wow! I'm gonna oh, oh my gosh, that's right. It was the it was the I'm I want to go to the brothel. All right, female rogue, why? Uh, I want to find, fu- who, like, what's going on there? I'm like, all right, uh, there's a gnome there. She's like, gnome, that must mean child. I'm like, no, it's an adult, but it, sure, it looks young. Just trying to roll with it. And she, <laughs> <laughs> this gnome was like, go had to go into the rooms afterwards to clean up after things were happening. And uh, she, hate, the, the character hated it so much that she went to a magic item shop Managed to, on an amazing sleight of hand and deception checks, get him to drink a a a, a <laughs> drink some wine that was spiked with a love potion. Got him to write a contract to produce magic items for the brothel that were like auto cleaning mops and buckets and shit, so that this gnome wouldn't have to clean up a uh, 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 post sex work mess anymore. That was the most chaotic thing that ever happened in a campaign and I feel like I brought that up on the podcast before possibly
0: um, not necessarily super chaotic but uh, I found it very funny at the time it was the first game you and I ever played in together uh, <laughs> yeah uh, it was the first session only uh, well, like well first session you were in but we were only like level four and you're yet you a rogue I believe yes I was a rogue who was doing some rogy things and trying to steal from the Rangers room yeah. Anyway, the ranger catches the rogue stealing from the ranger's room, or attempting to. Uh, and so the rogue, you, decides to flee out the window. Um, yeah! <laughs> That's right. Meanwhile, uh, my character, who's a fighter training a kobold to be his squire, is out in the alley doing drills. And all of a sudden, due to two bad rolls, from three, I think it was like three stories up, yep. near all splat. There's a rogue on the ground. What the? Two seconds later, splat from really bad rolls, the ranger falls right next to him.
1: Yeah, that was funny. I was, I w- I was trying to get into that room uh, because I the ranger's wolf was in there, and I was trying to get the wolf to like me, so I was like putting like bacon under the, under the door and trying to get animal handling up, and the ranger's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I just want a puppy friend. And then I ran. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're two, we're two hours and 40 minutes into this. I'm exhausted, and I'm really hungry, and I want lunch. So... One D&D playtest. It was a lot. It was a lot. Magic the Gathering uh, MagicCon. Also a lot. Eh, not as much, but still a fair amount. Still a chunky bit. Any, any final thoughts?
0: Um... Nah, let's just go on. <laughs> okay, okay. <Yeah. laughs> all right. now, we appreciate everybody who's uh, in the chat right now and who is listening to us on the on all the different platforms. Yes, uh, it has been Enjoy. As always,
1: you can catch us every other week. Dungeon Rose Podcast on YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, all the podcast services around
0: the globe. We love you very much, and as always, peace.